This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Episode 100 of the What's Good Games podcast, your source for video game news, commentary, analysis, and funny stuff every Friday. I'm Andrea Renee, joined by Miss Brittany Brombacher. Happy birthday to us. Woo, woo. It's well, not it, our birthday. It's not our birthday. You're right. It's not our birthday. It's not. And Christine Steimer is here. Hi. To um, rain on your parade and tell you it's not our birthday. I know, because I was like, holy <laughs> shit, it's our birthday, because this hat I'm wearing says birthday girl on it. And I was like, oh, I can wear it, but I can't. It's it's an amazing hat. It's though. a little premature. It's pissing glitter. Our everywhere. birthday is very close. Yeah, it's true. Our two year anniversary is on the horizon. We're very excited about it. But today is episode 100. And we thought it would be fun to celebrate. And so for the third segment today, we're going to be talking about some of our favorite episodes or favorite moments um, across all of our 100 episodes of What's Good Games. If you've been with us since episode one, thank you so much for all of your continued support. If today is your first episode, welcome. We're glad that you are here and part of our community. Of course, you can listen to us on your favorite podcast service, or you can find us at youtube.com slash what's good games, wherever you are watching or listening we are glad that you are here. Um, we have a pretty exciting show lined up for you today. Lots of stuff to talk about. Um, I want to say, uh, lovely job last week, as always. Steinbacher's holding it down. <laughs> <laughs> I'd kind of hoped against hope that I would land on time to catch you for the final segment of the recording, but my flight got delayed coming back from uh, Florida, so I didn't get home until after midnight, so sadly. Ugh. How long was your flight was delayed? That was a while. Um, about three hours. Uh, mm, how many rosés did I have? There you go. <laughs> that's why I was like, get drunk. It'll be, it'll go fast. Yeah, it was weird because I was so upset about the delay because they said it was weather related, and I looked up and it was like cloudy. Like clouds are not weather; they're fine. And then this happens in San Francisco airport all the time. So I was like, gosh darn it, I need answers. So I'm going down a Google rabbit hole as I'm getting drunk at the bar next to my gate. (laughs) And I discover on the San Francisco's FAA site that apparently the runways at SFO airport are too close together for them to be used simultaneously if there's a low cloud ceiling. And turns out there's low cloud ceiling all the damn time in San Francisco yeah, because of the famous SFO fog. Yeah, the worst airport. Yeah, SFO yeah so apparently the runways need to be at least 4,000 feet apart to allow simultaneous takeoff and, um, and touchdowns during low cloud ceiling. And the ones at SFO are 750 feet apart. Oh, my God. Wow. So they, when someone messed that up. It's a tiny airport. 
Yeah. So when there's low cloud ceiling, they can only land planes single file instead of two at a time. So it obviously makes the wait time at least double, if not triple length. And I'm like, that is the worst. I wish I would have known this sooner. That sucks. The more you know. <laughs> anyway, that was a weird tangent to go down. Sorry about that, everybody. <laughs> hey, you know what? Um, We're here for you. Thank you. I appreciate that. And shout out to Brittany's fantastic hat one more time. Um, it is fantastic. Did Thanks. I say that enough? It's fantastic. It's sparkly. I'm have glitter all over my face by the time this is done. <laughs> it's going to be all over your body, baby girl. Oh, yeah, girl. I'll send you a nude after this. Let's go. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, hey, okay. Can I sign up to be on this list? Please. $5.99. <laughs> um, <laughs> so she charges you. <laughs> I'm down. Where's the credit card? Um, okay, so a couple announcements before we get into the show. Thank you to our sponsors for this week's episode, Quip and Robin Hood. We'll talk to you guys more about them later. Um, I want to remind everybody about Dear WGG. I know we've mentioned this before, but when we made our Patreon changes in March, we decided to open up Dear WGG to everybody, whether you are part of our Patreon community or not. And we know that we weren't as good about checking it as we previously were, and we apologize. And so we want to reinvigorate our write-in community. We know a lot of you are sending us emails or leaving comments or tweeting to us, and we love that. Don't stop doing that. But we thought it might be more efficient if we funnel all of the questions specifically for the show into one place. So whatsgoodgames.com slash dearwgg is where you will find the form where you can enter your questions. Um, Obviously, if you make them pertinent to topics that are happening that week we'll probably be more inclined to read them on the show but we'll take any questions as long as they're you know not mean yeah appropriate questions and mostly safe for work mostly (laughs) mostly Mm -hmm. you know like pg-13 flirting with r-rated um so just as a reminder for that um we set some dates for some upcoming patreon streams we have decided that the April Patreon streams will be on a Saturday, April 27th, times TBD. The May Patreon streams, right ahead of our anniversary, will be on Friday, May 10th. And then our anniversary stream is going to be Saturday, May 11th. It's going to be a good one. What's going to happen? Who knows? We haven't finished planning it yet. Um, but mark them in your calendars. We'd love for you guys to join. It's going to be lots of fun. And of course, as a reminder, that anniversary stream will be open and available to everybody, not just to our patrons. And um, last year's was a lot of fun. And I expect this year's to be just as much fun, if not more fun. Mm-hmm. Um and I want to say a big thank you to this month's Patreon producers, Lincoln Davis, Alex Rogopoulos, Ferris Ate, and Muhammad Muhammad. And welcome this week to our Patreon community, Eric Ginn, Josh Baisden, Jack Chan, Natalie Matos, Stephen Giles, Jillian Vandermurgel, and Thomas White. Wow. We appreciate you guys. You said Vandermurgel very uh, eloquently. I don't know if that's how you say your name, Jillian, but I just took a wild stab at it. So if you that's say a it lot of confidence. It, it's, it's fine exactly no it, it, i was like damn because i mean for for a second i thought you were gonna pivot to me and have me fuck it up oh and don't worry we have we have the mythic patrons to lead to read at the end of the and end of the show so don't you worry Britt. you will have plenty of opportunity Yay! <laughs> um and before we get into the news i just want to take uh, a moment to recognize um miss il and the amazing what's good guardians shirt design if you guys missed my twitter uh feed from pax east i'm wearing it on the show right now you can see 
Yeah. It's got, it's got our What's Good Guardians on it. It's got the the Warlock, the Titan, and the Hunter. Um, we are now um, – you can buy this shirt in the What's Good Games merch store. That's what's, whatsgoodgames.com slash store. If you guys want to pick up your own copy of this T-shirt, if you're part of the What's Good Guardians, or if you just like Destiny and you think it's cool, um, or if you want to support us. So thank you to um, Solid Snake Ocelot for making this shirt for us. You're the best. Um, all right. And – it's time to get into some news, and this week, the news is brought to you by Quip. One of the most important things we do for our health every day is brushing our teeth, yet most of us don't do it properly. Quip is a better electric toothbrush created by dentists and designers. Quip was designed to make brushing your teeth more simple, affordable, and even enjoyable. A built-in two-minute timer pulses every 30 seconds to remind you when to switch sides, helping guide a full and even clean. Up to 90% of us don't brush for a full two minutes or don't clean evenly. Brush heads, of course, are automatically delivered on that dentist-recommended schedule every three months for just five bucks, and three out of four of us use bristles that are old, worn out, and ineffective. I get on John's case about this all the time. I'm like, when's the last time you switched out your toothbrush? But now it's not a problem because we've got Quip. I just got my Quip package in the mail. They even give you toothpaste. It's delicious. I mean, not that I eat it. I, was I about, spit it out. I was like, don't, don't eat the toothpaste. No, don't eat toothpaste, it. But some toothpaste tastes weird, you know? Yeah, yeah that's true. It can yeah. leave a weird aftertaste. Real, but this one weird is bitter. Not. This isn't bitter. It's sweet, minty in your mouth. Yeah, it's, it's lovely for brushing. And Quip is one of the first electric, electric toothbrushes accepted by the American Dental Association and has thousands of verified five-star reviews. We love Quip because it's easy to travel with. And, of course, it's got those fantastic little rubber uh, bristles that make um, keeping your gums healthy really super easy. Anyway... That's why they're backed by over 20,000 dental professionals. Quip starts at just 25 bucks, And if you go to getquip.com slash what's good right now, you'll get your first refill pack for free with a Quip electric toothbrush. That's your first refill pack for free at getquip.com slash what's good. Yeah. Time for some news. First up, we've got... Online ID changes on PSN. Your questions answered. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. The time has come. You it's can finally here. change your PSN ID. Wow. I can't, I forgot. I remember when the story broke. It was big news. And mm-hmm. then I've been wondering what, what happened. What's going on with this? And then I feel like out of the blue today, it's here. Britt, are you going to change yours? No. Because, I mean, okay, my name isn't like Asslicker69. My name is Brit5191. <laughs> so it's not like I have an embarrassing name or anything like that. But the reason I'm hesitating is because of all of these, not all of there's these. Just there's like stipulations. Well, yeah, like- well, and there's a list of games that have, are known to have critical errors and some games may or may not work. And honestly, I just don't want to fuss with it. So I will deal with my name because it's not awful and terrible. So I'm good. Yeah, I feel like this is more for people whose names are Asslicker69. Yeah. I'm sure you're out there. Uh, and now you can be less embarrassed by the name you made when you were young. It's true. They Over on the PlayStation blog, they wrote, we do want to take this opportunity to clarify one point. As a result of the preview program, because they did a little beta test run of this, we found an instance where a game did not fully support the feature, even though it was originally published after April 1st, 2018. Contrary to what we mentioned in our original announcement, all PS4 games originally published on or after April 1st, 2018 have been developed to support the online ID change feature. However, since they have not all been specifically tested with the feature, 
We cannot guarantee that they will support it. More details and information, and we encourage you to refer to the test of list the list of tested games before making a change to your online ID. Um, so they have a giant FAQ over at the PlayStation blog that answers a bunch of those questions, including a list of games that have critical issues. Um, of that list, there was maybe a couple that might be worrisome. I think the important thing to remember is if you change your name and discover that there are problems, you can change it back for free and it fixes all the problems. So it, it's free to change it the first time and then it's free to change it back. Is that what you're saying? Correct. Okay. And then yeah. – and I – I hypothetically, I think like you know. So then, if you want to change it again, then you if you're like, oh, okay, I'm actually like okay with this. Then I think it costs, but I don't know how much it costs. Did you guys see that part? Uh, I think we talked about it in the original announcement, but I do not remember what it was. Ten bucks sounds right. Let me go to the blog and check it out. And so, a critical error. Um, is considered okay because this is what it says in the blog if you have a game in this category we do not recommend changing your online id if you wish to continue playing that game without losing its entitlements and achievements which you've already brought or released it's possible to incur permanent errors or data loss as a result of using this feature some of the games like i just pulled up everybody's golf little big planet 3 some mlb the shows those are the ones with critical errors i think there's only like 10 games on that list mm-hmm. and then there are other games like bloodborne uncharted 4 gta 5 Tlu and those ones will have, make it so your previous online ID will show and not your new one. So it's not like it's going to break your shit, but it's still going to show Ass Liquor sixty nine. Got it. <laughs> ass Liquor sixty nine. Well, I mean, I think that you know, for most people, this probably won't be game breaking literally for them. I think that it the, it'll be fine for most games, especially since we're pretty close to moving into the next generation for PlayStation. And I'm sure the their new architecture will take this into account, much like Xboxes does, right? And it is $9.99 um, for the record if you want to change it after that. But um, I think that it's good that they're finally catching up. Now, I mean, let's be honest. I still think it's you know, wildly overdue because Xbox has had this a feature for quite some time. Yeah, but, but Xbox knows how to build and like they came from Microsoft, which had a bit more knowledge and how to build something like this where PlayStations was kind of like, oh, shit, build a thing. Go. And then it was like, oh, we didn't build it with this. We didn't think about this use case. Yeah, so we didn't build it like that. Totally. So now we're hosed. And when you're talking about like, maybe the next generation will be better. I mean, this is their online infrastructure. So I don't think that that has anything to do with it. And I don't think it's going to change. Unless they do like, uh, they would have to like, take it all down and then rebuild it. And I don't know that they're going to do that. I'm curious to know how many people are actually going to change their name. Sure, this is a feature that people have said they've wanted for a really long time. But how many people are actually going to go through the process, you know? Asslicker sixty nine probably Ass will. Sixty nine probably. Will. <laughs> I just oh, yeah, ended like up it, starting a new account. Um, it happened during the PS three generation where I I I switched accounts and like I was like oh you know I don't want this old ID and then I you know came to the realization that I can't change my ID and so I just started a new account and I just lost everything from before. I was like whatever goodbye stuff Bye. because I like those entitlements uh, didn't mean much to me because I I the all of the games that I had for PS two were all on cartridges so it's not like i had digital licenses for any of them um and i had very few games on ps3 because xbox 360 was clearly the superior console during that generation and 
obviously, I'm always been in the camp that Xbox Live is a superior online multiplayer platform than PlayStation. I'm just really glad that PSN got their shit together for this generation for PS4 and that it's functional and it works and the party chat is good. But I don't think it's controversial to say that Xbox has always been better at this. Yeah. yeah. They just kind of fucked up their UI with Xbox One. Yeah, it took them a while, but they came around. It's better. It's the best now than it's ever been, but it's still not as friendly as the Xbox 360 I, yeah, interface Yeah, the 360 was. was so nice. You'd log on, you'd see all your friends, and you you'd were like, see your oh, little avatar. Hey, yeah. Oh. You see your little buddies, and you're like, oh, hey, who's on? Oh, maybe I'll go do something with them. And now it's like just generic dashboard. At least it's yeah. not that cross-media bar. Well, they... It's oh, I miss the blades, too. The blades were fun. <laughs> I hated the cross-media bar on the PS3. It was the worst. The cross-media bar was... Well, yeah. It went, I mean, I, I don't think there, PlayStation's UI in general is great. I want there no. to be a feature where it's just like the good old days, where you have it boot up in the sense that you stick your game in, and then it just... You don't have to... You can bypass all that bullshit, which, you know, if you're in the middle of the game, you shut off your console. It does that already. No big deal. But I say this because my grandma, for some reason, I think that... PS3 across media bar really fucked her up because she has a hard time now. Just <laughs> really open- fucked her up. <laughs> she's seen some shit now. No, because she's she always gets confused. She puts in a game and then she's she asks me, "Where's my game?" It's so confusing. There's all these other things going on. And I just want a big icon that says "Play my game," and so I want that to be a feature just for my grandma, not for anyone. Just else. a giant play your just, game button. Yeah, just a, you stick the game in. It just auto boots the game. You don't have to worry about signing in. You don't have to worry about seeing what's the latest and greatest. I mean, I'm sure you probably have to pay a premium for that because that's all marketing. But I'm just, okay, going down a rant, a rabbit hole here. Don't mind me. It's fine. I just love my grandma. I was just okay. letting you go with it. I love your grandma stories. They're the best. Thanks. She's pretty great. She just started grandma Quest 11. Really excited. Oh, I yeah. think she'll like that game. She will. It's pretty good. All right. So I put this story into the doc, but I didn't know what you guys wanted to do to talk about it. We probably should have sorted it out before we started the show. We're professionals. Um, we got this. We can roll with it. But there is um, a really interesting article, in-depth article over on Kotaku um, about Dragon Age. And of course, it's written by Jason Schreier. He does a lot of great investigative work over at Kotaku. It's called The Past and the Present of Dragon Age 4. And it kind of deep dives into Bioware. And I'm guessing that he got a lot of this information when he was doing his research for his Anthem story that he published. And it kind of looks at what's happening with the next Dragon Age game. Have either of you ladies had a chance to read this whole article? Yes, I did. I didn't even know it existed. I totally missed this. Yeah, I saw it. Okay. So it's it's it, it just came out like a couple days ago, so don't worry about about missing it. But essentially, you know, I'll just read the first kind of paragraph here from his article. It says in December 2018, developer BioWare teased the next Dragon Age game, hinting at a mysterious future for the popular fantasy series. Well, it's enticing, but seems very far away. Why, more than 4 years after Dragon Age Inquisition, is Dragon Age 4 still so early in development? The answer is complicated and reflective of BioWare's turbulence over the past decade. Last week we published a lengthy investigation into how Anthem, the new loot shooter from the beloved game studio, went so awry. While reporting on this story and then in the days that followed, I learned a lot more about the current state of Dragon Age, one of Bioware's two tentpole franchises alongside Mass Effect, which was put on ice in 2017 following the disappointing Mass Effect Andromeda, but has since been warmed back up. Yes. 
I heard more about the first version of Dragon Age, which was rebooted in October 2017, and the current version, which is now in development at Bioware's office in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. So... <clears throat> The next paragraph says the story behind this reboot isn't just a story of a game going through multiple iterations as many games do. The Dragon Age 4 overhaul was a sign of Bioware's troubles and how the company has struggled in recent years to work on multiple projects at the same time. It was indicative of the tension between EA's financial goals and what Bioware fans love about the games, about the studio's games. It led to the departure of several key staff, including veteran Dragon Age creative director Mike Laidlaw, and it led to today's Dragon Age 4, whose developers hope to carefully straddle the line between storytelling and the live service that EA has pushed so hard over the past few years. Um, so I'm not going to go space. Into- <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I don't, no, but actually, Brittany, so this was funny. Um, after I read this article, and it goes into depth about, you know, the issues that they had as a team and how, similar to what I was saying before, like, people needed to be pulled on a different project. It's not uncommon in dev teams. Mm-hmm. And the Dragon Age team was kind of like pulled from one to the other and then whatever whatever was like able to make some progress and then that got rebooted because it wasn't whatever what meeting at the visions. I forget the exact reasons, but um, then there was now and now like there's a focus theoretically and we don't know what that is. There was no details released about it, but more of a live service type game. And I saw a tweet that was actually pretty funny because it was like, all Dragon Age fans hearing the live service, you know, thing up in arms. But then if it's really like, ah, but you'll get, you know, extra dates with your romance person, like, you know, constantly. And you'll just be like being, <laughs> you're being, being fed this virtual romance at a oh, no. steady pace. And I was like, fuck yes, give it to me. <laughs> That's dangerous. I know. Right? Yeah. Oh, ooh. Oh, so I'm just saying like, maybe they'll be smart enough. I just bumped my microphone with my face, but that's okay. Um, (laughs) I got so excited. I just ran into it, but (laughs) that's what she said. Yes, exactly. That would be pretty, pretty swell if it was something like that, but, uh, or even, yeah, I don't know how exactly it would work, but I'm also not on that dev team. So it's not for me to decide. Um, Yeah. I think, you know, when we talk about, you know, Bioware and everything that's been going on with them, I still stand by that I think they'll do right by Dragon Age because Inquisition was game of the year, right? Like that's a huge um, bar to meet or to beat for the next Dragon Age game. And after striking out with their last two games, I mean, Inquisition, uh, the, whatever's coming next for Dragon Age is certainly like all eyes are on them to make it succeed. And obviously their fans will always stand by them. And <laughs> I don't know well, about that. They're hardcore fans. I mean, maybe the quiet ones, sure. The, yeah, I mean, don't forget, like silent majority, yes, vocal minority for yeah. sure. Because when we were at PAX, we saw plenty of Bioware cosplay out there. There was a yeah. ton. Oh yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And so I, I think that they they still have a very robust community. Um, I think people just, you know, you expect the most from the things that you love, and um, I. You know, don't want to go down a rabbit hole about Anthem. We've certainly talked about that game to death. But I thought this was interesting and worth bringing up. And if you guys are interested in what's going on with the the Dragon Age development, um, certainly uh, go check out Jason's article <gasps> over on Kotaku. And I, I, uh, I, I felt bad for just, I mean, granted, I, I just feel bad for the teams in general because it's just like you get knocked down once and then you get kicked in the gut again. And it's just like, yeah. I know that... It, 
this is interesting yeah. and like i'm not saying he shouldn't have written it that's not what i'm trying to say but yeah i i also just feel for the people on the receiving end of this and or it's just like all right can i can i just breathe for like a second can i get a breath i am clenching right now you can't see it <laughs> well, yeah. i'll be worried if we could <laughs> no just <laughs> just thinking about the pressure of this dragon age game i mean you know what you think about andromeda and while i really enjoy that game obviously it hasn't been received the greatest and then with anthem and then this piece with schreier last week and exposing the development hell and the turmoil and the turbulence and whatnot i feel like dragon age is the precious baby that can help write and put bioware back on the well i don't know if that's true basically it's like hey we're not we're back because you know the whole thing right now is bioware is not the same bioware they're not the same bioware they're, they're being forced to do xyz not true but that's you know kind of the general consensus of the the vocal majority is i guess what i'm trying to say and having dragon age which is such a near and dear franchise it's been around for so such a long time and has such heavy lore and such people are so invested in these characters the pressure to put this game out and do right and not screw up, I feel like this is, and maybe I'm being dramatic here, let me know what you think, kind of like the last straw to really, this is what I'm holding on to. Like Anthem, I want to hop into, but I'm not super invested into it right now just because, you know, of the bugs and there's other things going on. And with Mass Effect and Andromeda, I enjoyed it. I know it didn't live up to the the hype of the prior Mass Effects, but with Dragon Age, like this is like my baby. This is like my most anticipated Bioware title, right? And so it's... uh. It's hitting close to home right now, I guess, is what I'm saying. You know? Yeah. Uh, I I don't really even know what to say. I'm, like, trying to think form my thoughts based on what you just said. But, yeah, um, it'll be interesting to see how, they, how it co- comes out because the setup from Inquisition story-wise, I think that, obviously, Inquisition had things about it that I didn't love gameplay-wise. Um, but overall that story i thought was really strong in the sense that it set up a really great villain and it set up a really great premise to continue off of so i have to imagine that they are keeping that element because if they threw that baby out i'd be like what the fuck are you doing yeah um but i am curious about how the team is probably trying to solve the issue of their games are very different from a lot of the portfolio that ea has and I know that you were saying, Brittany, like, no, that's not a thing. But I actually, I mean, I'm sure it is. I'm sure it's massive internal pressure from EA. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not someone breathing down your neck at all times by any means. But it's even a subtle pressure can be enough where you're looking at the numbers and you see how much your business contributes versus the other parts of the business that contribute. And you wonder whether or not EA values you mm-hmm. because you aren't FIFA. FIFA makes them so much fucking money. It's insane. No, that's yeah. a good like, point. To not be FIFA just alone, like that alone, even if no one from EA corporate ever said a word to them, I feel like that pressure enough to look at those other studios, see how much money they're raking in and think, and you can look at your own financials and realize that you are the type of game that sells very well initially and then drops off. Mm-hmm. It's well, I, I think that there's room though for for Bioware to to retake the, their foothold of where they were at. I think EA has really suffered from a little bit of what 
frankly, maybe this is too much of an extrapolation here, kind of what America in general is suffering from right now, is, which is capitalism run amok, where it's like <laughs> this idea that there's like no balance between profits and product and saying like, I support the idea of free enterprise and businesses being able to make profits um, because it's really kind of the bedrock of the American dream. But on one hand, you got to go, what am I sacrificing for the sake of profits alone? You know, like we have to maintain artistic vision alongside profits. Otherwise, what are we even doing this for? That's Activision. I mean, yes and no. I mean, because look at look at what Blizzard's doing. I think that they've remained committed to their artistic vision, but have also been wildly successful because they have been. And and I also point to Rockstar and go, they've been created to their artistic or committed to their artistic vision, but it also has been wildly successful for them. I think it's just all about the type of business and how the churn of profits are going. And I think a lot of people don't realize that EA is the biggest publisher in the world and that those profits and that constant chase for stock price and shareholder dividends is something that has been made a priority over creative. And that's been disappointing for me to see. I hope that they can regain their sense of creative inspiration because they're still doing some cool things. Like I want to point out that I love that they featured Sea of Solitude on stage at EA Play last year, which is this amazing small indie game from my friend Connie over in Germany, and how that game has such a great message about, you know, like battling depression and battling mental illness. And I think that the fact that EA is willing to feature a game like that shows that they're not completely this heartless corporate overlord that they're, you know, frequently painted as. Um, and I think that there's a, a balance and... I think they got a rye from like probably like 2015, 2016, clearly until 2018. But I, I like to believe that the Battlefront 2 fiasco kind of shook them loose a little bit and said, hey, like we need to to stop before we lose a lot of our, our fan base. And those changes aren't easy to implement overnight. And I think we're now seeing them go, okay, the community has responded. The community has responded very negatively. Um, we need to pivot and get back to what made EA the biggest publisher in the world and get back to the games and the gamers and the people who love our games and make and the people who make our games. And I think that they're trying to course correct and write that ship. It's just going to take time. Doesn't mean you don't get to be mad at them. Doesn't mean you don't get to be upset at what they've done. I just think that trying to expect them to flip a switch and change things instantly is unrealistic. Well, yeah, it's like Xbox, right? Like that you have to it takes time to write the ship. Um, but to your point about Sea of Solitude, and I think EA does a decent job of, of highlighting really interesting indie games, but also the overhead on those is significantly lower than it is at a studio like Bioware. Absolutely. Um, and so I think that for me is more of a light concern for how they're doing obviously like because i i love bioware and i would i want to see them grow and flourish and i imagine that you know a lot of the original leadership there did as well and does as well and so it's just like it's i don't know it's just a shitty time yeah. come on you could well, do it i i was i was heartened by casey's response after Jason's article and then EA's or not EA's then Bioware's official statement and then Casey's memo Casey's response out of everything from last week was what kind of gave me some hope mm -hmm. to be like okay he was there during the glory years and now he's back and he's been working on like 
you know, recreating the culture that they used to have and making sure that they've gotten rid of these unhealthy business practices and somebody's like directing the creative vision, you know, which clearly was lacking between um, Andromeda and Anthem. And so maybe <laughs> he can work with Mark Dara and the rest of the team to get Dragon Age on track to be uh, to be a hit for them because I, w- I hope, I think we all hope that the next Dragon Age is going to be as good, if not better than Inquisition because I loved Inquisition. So, agree. Although I was like, I thought the um. So they give you a loose pitch of what Dragon Age Four was originally, oh. with like you being a group of Tevinter spies, I believe. Um, and I was like, that sounds fucking cool. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that's the thing where I'm like, ah, oh, shit. Uh, it sounds neat. And I'm sure whatever they end up doing will also be neat. But like, can you make this a weird spinoff, please? Yeah, or like at least like turn it into a book or something. Yeah, do do something with yeah. it. Yeah, because it just sounded interesting. Huh. But then again, here's what I'll say. A lot of game concepts can sound interesting and then not work. So. Sure, sure. Yeah. I mean, listen, we're all Bioware fangirls here at What's Good Games. There's no secret about that. We've said that time and time again. Um, so take it with a grain of salt if you want. But hopefully you're here because you also uh, love us and love Bioware. Um, all right. Moving on. Oh. We could keep talking about them forever. Um, and I'm particularly interested to get Brittany's take on this next story. Oh. Um, Capcom is selling a Resident Evil 2 all-in game rewards unlock for just five bucks. Uh, Eurogamer writes, the all-in game rewards unlock, as it's called, instantly unlocks a raft of extras that can also be unlocked through gameplay. It's available on Steam, the PlayStation Store, and the Microsoft Store. For uh, that five bucks or four pounds sterling, if you live in the UK, uh, you get the fourth survivor and the tofu survivor extra modes, the unbreakable combat knife, the samurai edge handgun with infinite ammo, the LE5 submachine gun with infinite ammo, the ATM4 rocket launcher with infinite ammo, and yeah. the minigun with infinite ammo, as well as the costumes, models, and concept art. Yeah. This is all stuff you can unlock just by playing Resident Evil 2. So what you're paying for here is a time or work saver. The main draw has to be the infinite ammo weapons, though, as these require a lot of work to unlock, Duh. and they're a lot of fun to use. Of course, once upon a time, this stuff would be a cheat code, but that was once upon a time, and there's no happy ending to that story. Oh Dude, so I can pay five bucks and actually play this game? Yeah. yeah. Pay Isn't an extra it five dollars? No, I think this, that's okay. crazy. The it, I was like, oh, the tofu mode's haha funny, and then you're like, all this shit with infinite ammo, and I'm like, wait a fucking minute. <laughs> Yeah, dude. I can have a mini gun that never runs out of yeah, bullets. Maybe this game is not as scary if I have a mini gun with infinite ammo. And Just I think take to, on Mr. X with your mini gun. I think yeah. to unlock those in game, you have to beat the game and under a certain time limit with like three saves on the hardest difficulty or something cuckoo crazy like that, which is something a lot of people aren't going to want to do. So, hey, like, yes, absolutely put it in there. I think it's great. So, yeah. So, of course, I think the initial reaction from a lot of people like, oh, $5. But I think when you have dlc like this you pay dlc like this you look you have to analyze each game and see what they're doing and see if it makes sense look at the free dlc we've gotten from resident evil 2 already we've gotten the ghost survivors that's three episodes each one on your first time is like 20 minutes or so that's like an hour at least of extra content and then after that you unlock another episode you have the tofu survivor you have the fourth survivor that unlocks after beating just the game the second scenarios and you have the free 1998 costumes that came out last month, I think it was, or a month before. Either way, 
so you have this awesome free content and then for five dollars you can unlock infinite ammo and there's there's absolutely nothing wrong with this i think capcom has given us a lot of fun free dlc there's a lot of replayability in resident evil 2 why not give people the option to fork over five bucks and this is obviously i think mostly for the weapons like we were just talking about yeah and or if you want to play as tofu yeah, and you know, I sure like I miss the up up down down days where you would put in your little cheat codes and unlock stuff. But you know, not all games had that, and if games didn't have that, you had to plunk down the money for a game shark or an action replay. And that's what I had to do when I played Resident Evil for the first time because I was too scared to play these games without cheat codes. And like Steimer just said, perfect example. Well, you mean I can play this now and take away that that edge of fear of having to manage my ammo and, and just knowing that you can blast every zombie in the face and knock them dead and they're not a threat to you at that point. Yeah, because I stopped playing when I got to the creepy crawler. The liquor Blind people. Yeah, those people. <laughs> creepy crawler blind people. <laughs> <laughs> and I was I like, you. no, I don't know. Oh, I don't like this. I don't like this at all. Um, the other zombies I was okay with, but that one I was like, no, I'm sorry. This is a hard out for me. Yeah. And if I could rocket launcher them in the face, I think I would feel better. And they, yeah, and that's like, that was me back <laughs> in the day. You would trust me. I yeah. love the grenade launcher that that Claire has. It's super fun. But yeah. rocket launcher, that's an upgrade. Hell yeah! <laughs> Hell Let's yeah! Blow this shit up. Yeah, and that's how I played. I got the infinite rocket launcher ammo, and I was like, I don't know, thirteen years old or something. After I after it scarred me for about three years of my life, I came back to it with a game shark and like, let's go, zombie bitches, and blow your heads off. Yeah, so I think this is great, and this is the perfect kind of game for this because it does take away that little fear factor. So we'll get people like Steimer who probably still won't play this, but at least she knows if she wanted to. It's an option, man. It's an option. Maybe, yeah. you know, they gave me a code for the game very kindly, so maybe I will give them $5 so that I can have these guns. Yeah, because the story in Resident Evil is so fascinating. The lore is so rich, and I'm, I completely understand if a game is too scary that it legitimately turns people off from wanting to play it. But give them this little advantage. They can experience the story. And who knows? Steimer might turn into a bigger Resident Evil fan than me when she's hooked. Silence. Oh, you know. Doubtful. <laughs> doubtful. Obviously not. It'll never fan. happen. But yeah. yeah. It's just, you know, you, it's a chance to, you know, get more fans in into the series, I think. And it's a good way for people who, you know, I play the game all the ways you possibly can. But if someone's like, okay, I've done... Leon and I've done Claire and I have to do Claire and then Leon but I don't want to have to go through all the hustle of you know getting the weapons there goes my hat but now you just give him five bucks and now you're an invincible person and you can just enjoy it I am all for this rah rah let's go hooray yeah yeah all right we um, have oh what? yeah go okay. next story <laughs> next story is really cool because it's about star wars and everybody likes star wars for the most part yeah yeah <laughs> a great song so, <laughs> ea posts a cryptic tease for star wars jedi fallen order ahead of an announcement um so this is from ign ea updated its twitter account last week with a new star wars jedi the fallen order banner i keep saying the it the word the is not in there. It's Star Wars uh, Jedi colon Fallen Order. It's a weird place for a colon, but sure. Um, as well as posting a cryptic tease for Respawn Entertainment's upcoming game. The tweet features an animated image depicting what appears to be the severed hilt of a weapon. Perhaps a lightsaber or some kind of vibro staff. Mm, <laughs> Laid on a stone surface engraved with runes. The image is accompanied by a caption. Don't stand out. 
Yeah, this likely refers to the yeah you and your goofy movie. This likely refers to the fact that in Star Wars Jedi: The Fallen Order, God damn it, I said it again. I keep adding the word "the." Just makes sense to me. Players will take <laughs> on the role of a Jedi Padawan during the aftermath of Episode Three's Order sixty six. If you've scrubbed the prequel trilogy from your memory, that was Palpatine's mandate that all Jedi be wiped out. As such, we'd expect the game's protagonists to want to blend in and hide from any authorities. Perhaps they'd even want to break their lightsaber to remove any evidence that they're a part of the Jedi Order. Mm. Over on the main Star Wars Twitter feed, a second tweet offers more details. A first look at Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, ha did it correctly, uh, will be shown at Star <laughs> Wars Celebration Saturday at 1.30 p.m. CDT. That's What's, tomorrow for everybody listening to the show on Friday. That is tomorrow. Uh, that's Central that's Daylight a, Time. 11.30 uh, a.m. Pacific Time, 7.30 p.m. UK Time, 4.30 a.m. on Sunday. A-E-S-T. That's, that's actually like the perfect time because so Star, Star Wars Celebration is happening right now in Chicago. And that's where it is this year. And the, they, they announced that there was going to be a panel about this a while ago. But this is the first time we've gotten a little bit of a tease. And, of course, we're getting the tease because there was a leak. And so they're like, well, we might as well get the tease out there ahead of the panel. Um, so I was very fortunate to be um, there with uh, Vince Ampella from Respawn at EA Play last year when he announced the name of the game. We knew that Respawn was working on this game, but we didn't have really any details. And sadly, Vince didn't give me any details or <laughs> anybody else any details. the name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, at EA Play last year. And so I'm really looking forward to seeing what they're going to announce. My guess is we're going to get like a reveal here, maybe... Uh, some some single player details, but we're not going to get a gameplay deep dive until EA Play at E3. When yeah. Simon was reading this paragraph, I didn't understand anything. I I've seen the Star Wars movies, Star Wars movies, excuse me, like maybe once each, maybe twice each. On if I, I don't basically, understand. if you are a Jedi, it's bad news bears. So I understand that the part. fact that you're playing it as a Jedi means you don't want to stand out. You want to run away. You want to hide. Okay. It's like you're going to like put your hood up as if you're an Assassin's Creed and try and blend it with the crowd. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, because when it says don't stand out, that was my initial thought, you know, even knowing nothing about anything regarding this. Yeah, you yeah. want to blend in. You want to stand out above the crowd, even if you've got to shout out loud. And <laughs> yeah, I mean, cool, you know? I think uh, it's it's really interesting in the sense that um, I think Jackie brought this up on her Twitter. She's like, I'm mostly just pointing out that this is very much opposite of a lot of games marketing. Where it's like, you are the chosen one. You go be the best. You are amazing. And this one's like, no, no, go hide in the shadows because they're going to come kill you otherwise. Yeah. Um, so I think that's pretty interesting. Cool. I'm curious. You have my attention. Are yeah, you a big Star Wars fan, Samer? A loose one. I'm not yeah. like super duper into it, but I like the movies enough and follow okay. them. Yeah, I I love Star Wars. I certainly haven't. I wouldn't call myself like the biggest Star, Star Wars nerd either. But um, I've seen the movies like dozens of times, if not like in the high twenties, thirties, forties of times, um, and love the franchises. I think they're great. I, what I find interesting the most about Respawn in the Star Wars game is that I really enjoyed what Respawn did with the Titanfall two campaign, and so that gives me really good hope that they're going to do right 
by this, especially since EA has been having a rough go with the Star Wars license, um, not only with Battlefront 2 and all the trouble that game faced, but them closing down Visceral Games and Amy Hennig's Star Wars project. I think all eyes are on them to kind of get this right and to do right by the Star Wars license and the Star Wars name. And I think Respawn is really poised to do that. They launched Apex Legends to great fanfare earlier this year, and so far everyone's been very happy with how that game has run, and they've said that this is going to be a single-player experience. So it's going to be, um, I think I think it's going to be good. I'm, I'm holding out hope that I can be excited for this, because I typically haven't enjoyed Star Wars games in the past. You know, like I had a, a pretty okay experience with the Battlefront 2 campaign, but I would like more, and I have high hopes that Respawn's going to deliver. Yeah, yeah. I think the Battlefront Two campaign got me like nauseated when it was space flight. That was it. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, I was like, oh god, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we will, of course, follow up with you guys next week once that reveal happens. Brittany, yeah. you have added a story to the oh rundown because it's so amazing. Uh- this comes from IGN. Anonymous millionaire wants to set up a real-life battle royale on a private island. Hell an- yeah. <laughs> an unnamed person with a significant amount of wealth is planning to set up a real-life 100-person battle royale event on a private island. Hush Hush, which styles itself as, quote, the world's leading luxury shopping marketplace, has received a request from an anonymous person who is looking for a game maker who can help organize the three-day event. The plan, thankfully, does not require participants to actually kill each other. That'd be a hell of a waiver to sign. I know, right? (laughs) That's like like Hunger Games, right? Yeah. Instead, players will be equipped with airsoft guns and touch-sensitive body armor. The last person standing is set to win 100,000 pounds prize. I don't know what that is in U.S. money money. The plan is for the anonymous million. 150,000? Maybe. The plan is for the anonymous millionaire to acquire a private island. Uh, yes okay a private island that's hilarious in itself which will be the setting for this real life battle royale the competition will run for three days with 12 hours of competition each day during the nighttime players will be able to camp for the night all camping gear and food will be provided this insane event is this insane event is only in the conception stage as noted earlier hush hush is looking for a game maker of the large-scale event management experience who can design the arena Quote, Battle Royale games have become incredibly popular over the last few years ago, and our customer is a huge fan who wants to make the game a reality in the safest way possible, says Hush Hush founder Aaron Harpin on the request page. If the championship is a a success this year, it's something he wants to make an annual event moving forward, which is very exciting. Prospective game makers can apply at the Hush Hush website, and the project pays £1,500 daily with an expected with a yep, expected six-week duration, the contract is set out to pay 45,000 pounds. Oh my God. That's so crazy. The, the 45,000 pound contract for six weeks for this is actually, like now that I say it, is actually not that big of a payday for the amount of work that's going to be oh, involved. Yeah. I mean, that's if really that's low. just... Yeah, if that's just the planner's fee, that's one thing. But you're going to have to hire an army of staff to accomplish this. I think this sounds really cool. Oh, dear. I, I would know. absolutely watch the shit out of this on Twitch. 
<laughs> yeah, that would be really fun to watch. It's um, funny. Like, so it sounds like you go for 12 hours of competition each day, and then during the nighttime, you actually get to camp. I guess you actually have to make sure these people are alive and well-fed and taken care of. I just of. hope it's not like Fire Festival 2.0. I'm waiting for this. the documentary of this already. <laughs> I'm already looking forward to the documentary on Netflix about this They're thing. They're like, we thought 45,000 pounds was enough to hire an entire planning committee. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! Well, I mean, if, oh, if, no. if the last person standing is getting a one hundred thousand dollar prize, hundred thousand I mean, pound. Oh uh, yes, yeah, so it's one hundred and thirty thousand dollars, roughly. Um, they can. Oh wait, no, did I do that backwards? Hold on, pound sterling. Oh no, a hundred thousand pounds sterling equals one hundred and thirty thousand. Wait, the dollar has eclipsed the sterling pound. Is that a thing that's real? No. Uh. What? Wait, I'm an ignorant American. Right? I don't know. Now yeah. I have a hundred thousand pounds sterling equals a hundred and thirty thousand United States dollars. No. So I'm doing that backwards. Math is hard, you guys. Do you think this <laughs> anonymous millionaire is Brendan Green? Um doubtful. <laughs> I think Brendan Green is way too smart to do something like this. Um, but honestly, like with the right sponsors, this could actually be something really huge. I mean, clearly the first thing that I think of is why doesn't Epic do this? They're planning their World Cup for Fortnite, of course, but everybody would watch real life Fortnite Battle Royale. Are you kidding me? That would be God. amazing. Look at how successful Survivor is. And this wouldn't even be as devastating as Survivor, right? Because they would be provided with food. They wouldn't have to like go hunt it on their own or anything. Um, and mm. providing food and camping gear for 100 people is not that wild because yeah. I'm sure a lot of those people would get eliminated in the first day. Yeah, but then, then they're going to camp and drink. Yeah, but no, you ship them off the island once they're eliminated. They're gone. Oh, and that's then you, shitty. So here's you a... Here's I want to have a big fiesta at the end. <laughs> I have an in-the-weeds uh, question about the production of this. Could you record this and have TV camera people following them around, or would that give away the position of the players? You would, would have you, to You would have to film it like... Um, like cameras like in the trees? Like football stadiums. Oh, have like little... Or have fly cameras. Yeah. Oh, well, that, and I think you could have camera crews on the ground following people because it's not like those people, the people who are competing. But the problem oh, is see, there's too, it's too much foot noise. It's too much. It would be I very, see what yeah. you're, oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. You'd have to have a whole bunch of like hidden cameras set up away. and then yeah. fly cameras going. It would have to way. be like Hunger Games where they have all like the hidden cameras everywhere and the yeah. satellite like drones. cameras and all that. Oh my god! I think this is cool. I don't know if I'd want to participate in this. I think I would clench too much, but I would love to watch this go down. Also, Andrea, you're thinking about the money backwards. You yeah. didn't do it backwards, but just because the number is bigger doesn't mean the dollar is stronger. It means it's weaker. Yeah, dude, no, could this I, become I, the next? I, said, I got it backwards. Like instead of the Super Bowl, we'll be watching the Battle Royale Bowl. I'm just. I mean, fine. It'd be fine. interesting. Humor me. Thank uh, you. Honestly, like, I think with the right amount of publicity, it could get a ton of viewers. Like, the Super Bowl, like, we we don't really know, but I don't know. how many this people are actually really watching talk the Super about... Bowl, right? Because Nielsen ratings are kind of borked. But, um, like, but, like, YouTube and Twitch ratings, like, those unique viewers. Dude, oh, this is fascinating. I want this to be a thing. I hope somebody applies. <laughs> just selfishly Maybe. i want to watch it <laughs> yes um, all right well that will do it for the news for this week we're going to take a short break when we come back we're going to talk about what we've been playing stick with us everybody we'll see you in a minute 
Welcome back, everybody. It's segment two of the What's Good Games podcast. And this week, we're going to talk about what we've been playing. And it's brought to you by... Robinhood. Robinhood is an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, and cryptos all commission-free. While other brokerages charge up to $10 for every trade, Robinhood doesn't charge any commission fees. So you can trade stocks and keep all of your profits. Plus, there is no account minimum needed to get started, so you can start investing at every level. The simple, intuitive design of Robinhood makes investing easy for newcomers and experts alike. View easy-to-understand charts and market data and a place and place a trade in just four taps on your smartphone. You can also view stock collections, such as the 100 most popular. And with Robinhood, you can learn how to invest in the market as you build your portfolio. Discover new stocks, track your favorite companies, and get custom notifications for price movements so you never miss the right moment to invest. Robinhood is giving listeners of What's Good Games, a video game podcast, that's us, you guys, a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help you build your portfolio. Sign up at whatsgood.robinhood.com. Again, if you want to get your free stock, mine was in Groupon. It's very exciting, you guys. You can sign up for yourself at whatsgood.robinhood.com. All right, time to talk about the games of the week that we've been playing. And let's start with Brittany, since your list is the longest. You say, my goddamn time at fucking Portia. I oh can't. Dear. Is it can't Portia it. or Portia? I keep wanting to say Portia. I think like it's Portia, Portia. De Rossi. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think it's Portia. I can't quit this game. Last week, I was telling Steimer how I was like kind of getting like hashtag over it a little bit. And then I got started. <laughs> and started then getting, it reeled you back oh, in. Oh, yeah. I started it getting was the like, itch. Do you think you can do without me? You think you're better than me? You want this. You I want did. it bad. And I turn around, I bent over. I'm like, you're right. I do want this bad. And I can't. <laughs> I cannot quit playing this game at all. It's just so relaxing. And again, this comes out the 16th of April for Nintendo Switch, PS4, and Xbox One. I'm playing on Switch. And it's just. I can't believe this game isn't out yet. It's been on PC for a while uh, now. For a few okay, months. Gotcha, I think gotcha. January it came out on PC. So yeah, it's just now getting ready to come to consoles. And. You know, I'm going to echo everything I've said. It's just a great game to kind of lose yourself in. You, there's a lot of things you have to manage at the same time. And so it's kind of that relaxing sim. There's people to befriend, people to bang, and just fishing. All of the things that, you know, a sim like this you would want from. So I'm still definitely enjoying it, having a really good time. Just a little update I heard back from Team 17. And the loading screens that I've talked about and how they're kind of annoying will be patched as soon as possible after launch. I don't know what that means, but that's what the update they gave me. And there are still some bugs that will crash my game. You know, if I'm, I'm trying to harvest this giant bamboo papaya for this festival, you see, ladies, and I need to harvest it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I want to participate because I want everyone to like me. But I can't because every time I try to pick that bitch up, my whole game crashes. So, Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, it's a thing. So just like be, be you know, if you do pick this up on the 16th, I absolutely think it's worth it. You know, I, this is the only game breaking, not game breaking. That's not it, the only bug that crashes my game i've come across and i probably put like 60 plus 70 hours into this thing so far and uh just be wary that they are aware of these things um and that's because i won't be here next week to formally review it um they are they are aware of these things they're working on it and they're they're really communicative with the patches that they're uploading and bringing all that kind of stuff anyway yeah i can't quit this game i can't quit it but yes it's it's a it's a gem it's a really it's a love it so much that's all well, cool. I'm glad that you're having fun 
farming all of the things. It's not even that and- farming. I just got my first cows and sheep. So it's not even I'm farming. I'm building stuff. I'm collecting materials. Oh, my God. We have to stop talking about this game. I won't Okay. Stop. So let's talk about something else. How about we talk about um, Ace Attorney? So oh what goodness. was really cool about Ace Attorney, it was one of the three games we featured in our GameStop TV segment. Thank you again to everybody who's been sending us photos or gone into GameStop stores and, you know, taking selfies with the TV. We love that. If you guys do that, please keep sending them. We love seeing uh, those photos. And, you know, thank you to uh, GameStop and GameStop TV for partnering with us on that initiative. But Ace Attorney is now on Nintendo Switch. Yeah, it fucking is. It's exactly. It's basically exactly what I was <laughs> expecting, expecting slash hoping for, um, which means it will probably be my go-to travel game from now on until I finish all of it, because it's just like it's really simple, but in a good way, uh, and a simple in terms of like formula. So you, it's a lot of text to start. So if you're not somebody who likes reading, this is not <laughs> for you. <laughs> but. Um, it just kind of goes through different case stories and you are Phoenix Wright, the defense attorney. And like the first tutorial thing that you go through is pretty funny because you have like nerves and it asks you like, are you okay? You need to answer some basic questions to make sure that you can even function as a human being. And I don't know what would happen if you answered them incorrectly because I can't bring myself to do it even for science. But uh so yeah, I obviously answered everything correctly. So I was fine. I'm good. I'm like really a good lawyer. But <laughs> if you're shitty at it, I don't know what the game is going to do to you. Maybe somebody else who doesn't care as much can try it out. But um, so you're going through and you listen to people's testimonies. You have evidence that is brought into the case. You have like a little evidence um, menu that pops. So you can pop up at any time and look through it and kind of be like, oh, this guy said that blah 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 like whatever this guy is saying is not matching up with what the evidence is saying and you need to be able to figure those things out and then be like objection and then (laughs) it's that really fun meme thing that's happening and um i just really like it because it's it's simple and i can get through it and i know and like they're all broken up by individual cases so it just has like it's nicely contained i suppose is what i'm going for there and so far, do you, so good, man. Do you find yourself ever stressed that you're going to make the wrong decision or the wrong verdict? I don't know how this game works. I've never played one. Yeah, but I've been I, again, like I haven't played enough to ever fuck it up yet. Okay, fingers crossed. <laughs> I'm sure you can. I don't know what happens when you do. Uh, I could probably just Google it, but <laughs> that's true. Is there what happens when you fuck an, up an Ace Attorney? Is there an easy save and reload option? So if you mess up, do you know? Like if I make the wrong if I if I say Andrew is guilty of murder and I'm wrong. after the I only saved after the um after the things were done. So okay. I actually I don't know if you can save within the case itself. Okay. But it seems like you like once they unlock it's like a thing you can easily just click on again. Okay. Got it. So I, I assume if you fuck up it's like we'll start over. And how long do you know the cases are that you've been doing? Uh like 10 minutes not, yeah they're not they're not terribly long okay i just literally have no nothing about this game so yeah i mean i also didn't knew nothing about this game so that's fair <laughs> we're learning together okay yes yeah it's nice i like it well cool i'm glad that you're having a good time with it having a good travel game uh, as a standby is always a nice thing 
Um, I have been playing um, a little bit of Dangerous Driving. So I talked about this um, during our PAX panel on our PAX East live show. <coughs> Pardon me. Um, and so this is from Three Fields Entertainment, and I only got to play a little bit of it at PAX, and I loved what I played there, and I've gotten to play uh, quite a bit more now that the game is officially out. And um, I've still been having a really great time. I do have a few issues with the game. Um, obviously, this is a very small outing. It's a independent studio, so Three Fields Entertainment made up a former Criterion. Um, they made this game with seven people, I believe, in seven months. So made it very quickly with a very small team. And I think that that's important to remember when you play this game because when you boot it up, you're going to notice that there's like a lot of bells and whistles that are, are missing. And so I had emailed their their team to ask them some questions about about the game because I when I first heard about it and I talked about it at PAX, um, it was all about burnout because clearly this is the team that made burnout and this is an homage really to like burnout two and burnout three. And I loved the burnout series. Burnout revenge was my favorite as I had discussed at PAX. I'm trying to pull up. Here's the, the question, the answers to my questions. And so I had asked a couple questions about it because the first thing I noticed when I was playing, let's talk about, uh, the things that I love about the game first. Um, it's got that amazing kind of grip to the road that I love in an arcade racer. I can nudge and crash into things and it's not catastrophic. And most importantly, I can hold the gas down the entire time. I never have to break in this game, which is what I love about arcade racing. And I can boost in the right mode, like Heat Wave, I can boost pretty much the whole road, which is super fun to do. And after about two to three hours of play, I feel, I finally kind of got my groove back with drifting because um, drifting is such an important part of this game. I just love takedowns. I love the whole idea of persistent wrecks on the roads and really hearkening back. This is an homage to arcade racers from the 80s and 90s. And I want to be clear about that because this is not a modern arcade racer. It's not even as robust as like a Burnout Paradise from from the 360 generation. There's a lot of like, like I said, kind of bits and pieces missing from this game that I would like to see them make in the next outing when they have a bigger budget, more time, and hopefully a bigger development staff. And I'm glad that they priced it appropriately. I would even say I would like to see this game drop down to like a $19.99 price point from a $26.99. Not that that extra, you know, $6 makes a huge or $7 makes a huge difference, but it kind of does. Um, so some of the things that I hope that they're going to add, obviously they're adding a six-person online racing and raging mode. That's what they're working on at the moment, which is going to be exciting to see how they implement that uh, when they update the game. Um, they are definitely going to add more... Um, I always get this wrong if it's liveries or liveries um, for for cars. We used to say it all the time on GameStop TV, and we would screw it up every <laughs> single time we had like a racing game. And it was always like a UK game. I think I'm going to say liveries. <laughs> but I have no idea. Oh, there's somebody in the UK listening that's like, oh my gosh, you guys screwed it up. Oh, I'm Andrea, sorry. You're wrong. Um, but they're definitely going to add more color customization options. So they have four... Um, types of cars. Well, technically they have like 27 cars across six classes, I think is like the official thing that I have here. Um, but I asked them, you know, if they plan to add uh, more cars and they said that's something that they are contemplating. 
Um, and the most important thing to me that I felt was missing from the game was music because I love racing to a great soundtrack. It was one of my favorite parts of Cruising USA, my favorite racing game of all time. Um, it's just like every track felt unique because it had unique music and it had a unique setting. And so the settings of Dangerous Driving are across American national parks. And so they make for really neat backdrops, but they just seem eerily quiet. And because this isn't a simulation game, it's not like I'm getting some kind of extra jazz out of the sound of a particular car engine or the revving or the squealing of the tires, stuff that you would maybe find in like a Gran Turismo or a Forza Motorsport game. Um, These all seem pretty kind of generic car sounds. And the reason why it seems so quiet is because they didn't have the money to build music licensing into the game. So instead, they built in a partnership with Spotify Premium. But I don't have a Spotify Premium account. I have a Google Play. I do. You do want my login? Yes, Simer, I do. (laughs) Because Three Fields made custom playlists specifically for the game that you can drive to. But I have Google Play. I was like, why don't you guys want to do anything with Google or with Apple or with any of the other music services? Um, And they said that it's definitely something that they are considering, but that they have broken new ground with Spotify and that there's potential for using music in quite clever ways. Um, Alex Ward, one of the studio heads, wrote to me and said, this has been something we've been working towards since 2012 when we first began to investigate the use of music on what were then the new generation of consoles. So he's obviously talking about pre you know, PS4 and pre-Xbox One. And so I do think it's really fascinating that you can link your Spotify premium account and listen to virtually anything from your Spotify playlist while you're racing. I think that's a really cool concept. But Spotify premium, you know, is $9.99 a month. It's not an insignificant cost. And so I was like, well, it'd be great if we could get music in of some other kind. But they said that they're working on um, other options as well. And then uh, one of the big things that I really thought was interesting about Three Fields is that, you know, each game they've made has truly been a stepping stone to the next game. And they talk about this in their About Me section on their website. And when I reached out to them and asked for more clarification about really what that meant for the future and if, you know, dangerous driving is maybe an indication that they're going to build a bigger, more robust um, dangerous driving world, something that has a lot more bells and whistles to it, Um you know, he kind of gave me a, Alex kind of gave me this rundown saying, you know, we made this game called Dangerous Golf. And he said, let's make something new and silly and learn how to do physics and learn Unreal Engine. And then with Lethal VR, he said, can we use UE and make a VR game really quickly for big fans of the original Point Break movie of 1991? So we always wanted to make a game like that opening sequence. Uh, and then they made Danger Zone, which of course is their car crash uh, game that says, can we take physics learning and make a lot of cars crash and explode on screen all at once? Danger Zone 2, can we bundle it all up and take it outside and model real actual intersections from around the world? And then with Dangerous Driving, can we make all of our favorite game modes and make new tracks and a much bigger game in a really short time? And so now it's like, where do we go from here? We want to be bigger, better, and more online. That was actually the starting point for Burnout 3 Takedown back in 2004. Um, And he wrote, everything is the starting point and dangerous driving is just the beginning. So with that in mind, um, there's still a lot to be desired from this game. But I'm having a lot of fun playing it. And it really kind of gives scratches that itch for arcade racers that I've been missing. But 
I do think that there's a lot to be desired in the terms of like on-screen animations and loading screen animations, um, you know, adding soundtrack, adding just like a lot of like tiny little things you expect to be in a game. It's clear that this is like a very like much an indie homage to Burnouts of Yore. Okay. So would you recommend it overall? Yes, I would. I would only recommend it to like diehard burnout fans though, because, you know, as I chatted about with uh, Christian Spicer and Jeff Kanata on DLC, which by the way, if you missed my guest appearance, I uh, went back and said hi to those gents and was on the episode last week. Please do um, give them a follow or a subscribe. We love the guys at DLC. All of us have been on the show before and um, they are wonderful people. Um, they both were hating on the game. They were like, this is not very good and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, but you guys are expecting something of Burnout Paradise caliber, but this isn't like a $60 AAA game. It's not. It's it's a much, much, much smaller game. And once I said that, Jeff was like, well, you kind of have a point there. But Christian (laughs) was like, nah, dog. What's the point of me spending $26 on this game when I can just pop in Burnout Paradise into my Xbox One from my 360 disc and play it on backwards backwards compatibility? And I was like, listen, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm not saying that that's not something you can do and probably have, you know, a fun time too. But what I love about this is that it reminds me so much of the burnout games that I loved from like the PS2 generation. And that's what I love about it because it feels retro in a lot of senses. And if that's not what you're looking for, I just want to be clear about managing your expectations. And I think for once, my expectations were in the right place yeah. that I wasn't expecting Isn't a lot that nice from this when game? it lines up. Yeah, I was like, I wasn't expecting much from this game. And so I've like been pleasantly surprised the entire time I've been playing it. And I've been having a lot of fun. And the thing that's exciting for me is that this team who really got pushed aside for Need for Speed, which made me sad and which made a lot of other Burnout fans sad, decided, hey, we're going to do it on our own. We're not going to have enough money to put everything in the game that we want to. But we're going to start small and we're going to work our way up and hopefully – you know, each game will build upon the next and we'll get to a place where we can make the burnout game we really want to make. And so if that's something you want to see happen and you want to support independent game dev, then I would say maybe go buy the game. Yeah, absolutely. Go for All burn. right. Moving on from dangerous driving. Let's talk to Steimer Uh-oh. or Brittany. Brittany, maybe you want to talk about Brittany. Let's go to Brittany. Go maybe Brit. we want to talk about uh, what do you want to talk about? Dragon's Dogma or Outward? Yeah, I can talk about both because I don't have a lot to say about Dragon's Dogma yet. Okay. So I have a Switch code for Dragon's Dogma Dark Arisen, and this game comes out April 23rd. Obviously, Dragon's Dogma came out in 2012, and then Dark Arisen came out in 2013 on PC, and then it came to consoles in 2017, I think, PS4, Xbox One. Um, and uh, yeah, so I think Dragon's Dogma Dark Arisen may have come to last gen. I don't know. The point is, is I have somehow... Ex- that was the expansion, right? Yeah, it was like a, it was like a, a, a what do you, you call it? Like an ultimate edition of it. It had the DLC. It reimagined some things. And I don't know how I've missed this game. I'm only a couple hours into it, but I'm kind of getting this Dragon Age meets Skyrim vibe from it so far. So far in terms of like the vibes it's get it's given me. But I don't know how I missed out on this game. I'm playing it. I'm so invested in it. Steimer, did you play this? I back in the day, I went to a Capcom preview event where they had this game. And I just remember distinctly because it was so funny to me. So part of the thing of the the combat of this game is like you can grapple onto the enemies. Oh, yeah. Climb Climb on them them and shit. 
And so I had grappled this one thing that could fly and I was like trying to stab it, I think. And it flew. It took off with me still on it. (laughs) And we fly up and up and up and up and up. And then it bucks me. And I'm just like, (laughs) oh, shit. I fall for like a good 30 seconds. I was like, I didn't even realize. I was like, how did you allow the programming of this thing to fly so high vertically? I don't know where I am. And then I just smash into the ground. I take a quarter health off and walk away. (laughs) And I was like, this game is amazing. (laughs) It looks looks like it's going to be a fun ride and like something I really would have enjoyed back then. I don't know why I didn't play it back when it came out then. I I don't know. Maybe I was too busy with something. Yeah, I'm sure there's just other things happening at that time. I don't know. So yeah, yeah, I don't have a lot to say about it. I'm only about an hour in and I will be gone next week and I have a lot of flying ahead of me so I will be playing this on my Switch and when I come back I can tell you more about it but the game that has really kind of sucked me in and Jason as well as Outward now this game is developed by Nine Dot Studios and published by Deep Silver and it came out on March 26th and I'm going to read the little blurb about it because it's kind of hard to describe this game Outward delivers an immersive RPG experience coupled with survival gameplay offering a deeply rewarding challenge for the most avid gamers As an ordinary adventurer, you'll not only have to hide or defend yourself against threatening creatures, but also brave the hazardous environmental conditions, protect yourself against infectious diseases, make sure you get enough sleep, and stay hydrated. Embark on expeditions across untamed lands to reach new cities, undertake varied missions, and discover hidden dungeons crawling with formidable enemies. So when this game first came out, I was a little weary because I was reading about some pretty gnarly bugs that were plaguing it, um... Items disappearing in between loading screens, like people not people loading into walls, just not good stuff. But Nine Dot Studio seems to have been on it. And for the most part, I'm having a, a pretty bug free experience. But let me tell you more about the game. So you this, what I love about this game, first and foremost, is that it supports split screen co-op and online co-op. And I think the reason I'm, I'm instantly clicked with this and we're kind of obsessed with it is because it reminds me a lot of Asheron's Call. And a lot of people don't get that. They're like, what the hell was Asheron's Call? You know, it was the MMO that was just shut down a couple of years ago. Yeah. That's me. I have no <laughs> and, idea what you're talking about. Yeah. So I only Ash- know because of you and Jason and how much you guys loved it and would always play it. Yeah. So Asheron's Call is a really, really old MMO that was created in like 2000 or right around there. And it just recently got shut down a couple of years ago because um, it wasn't making money. And Warner Brothers was like hey, they shut it down. We still don't really know the official reason. And I think there's some legal issues going on behind the scenes because it has such an avid avid follower and it's a cult classic, blah, blah, blah. But something, what I loved about that game is because by the time I hopped in, a lot of its population had dwindled. And what I got was this huge world with all of this hidden content just waiting to be explored and uncovered. And it didn't hold your hand. It didn't, you know, have little quest markers and tell you which way to go. You had to use coordinates. And it almost felt like a a single player experience, I mean, a multiplayer experience, but not an MMO because it didn't come, you didn't have like the typical fetch quest. You didn't have the kill 10 birds and report back to me, stuff like that. It was legit dungeon crawling, mazes, all sorts of different innovative dungeons and temples and everything else. And this game feels a lot like that. And Asheron's Call is the only game I've played that gave me that feeling and so it's hard to describe because i can't just say like oh this is a typical turn-based rpg you know you have your protagonist it's not like that at all um so you, you're dropped into this world and there's hardly any hand holding in this game and there are survival elements you know you have to manage your temperature 
You, you might get sick. You might get hungry. You might get thirsty. Um, but on top of that, Can you, you know, die of dysentery. And, no, <laughs> but that's a good point. Because <laughs> well, thank goodness. There, there is dying in this game, but there's no game over per se. So, and the game is constantly saving. So if you run out of health, because every time I've run out of health, Jason has been able to revive me. So none of us have actually like kicked the bucket totally yet. My understanding is you can lose some items, but you can't reload your save and go back and see what happens. Um, and there's a lot of RPG elements in this game. Obviously, you don't level up, but what you do is you get better gear. And it's not there's not a ton of loot dropping everywhere. So they literally are like, okay, here's this world. Go in, explore, good luck. You know, there's there's a map, but you don't have a marker on your map. All you have are the landmarks in your compass. And you have to try to figure out where you want to go. And we have a bunch of different decisions we need to make. And we have to really work together because gold is so scarce, silver is so scarce that you have to be really careful with what you buy with it. So you don't level up in this game, but what you do is you get better gear, like I said, but you can also buy buffs. So you can go to trainers throughout the cities and spend your silver on getting HP increase or stamina increase, or maybe you can get a different skill. You have, you know, two-handed weapons, one-handed weapons. You have, you can be a mage, but the magic is a little tricky how it works, and we haven't gone to that level yet. And it's really fun. You know, we found a... um we, we completed the first mission together, and then when the world opened up to us, we were very poor, and we just had, like, rags on our bodies, and we were getting beat up by these big white birds that were, like, roaming the plains. And this is embarrassing. So we found like this- chocobos? No, it wasn't a dodo. It's like a big white chocobo. It's a Final Fantasy thing. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, so we found this fort. We randomly stumbled across this fort, and in there we found some mages, some archers, some other dudes, and we knew we were too weak to take them all. So what we would do is we would go in there- like, be sneaky squirrel, kill one or two of them, loot their shit, hightail it back to town, sell it, get better stuff, come back. And we've been doing that for, like, one and a half nights now. But it's just so fun to work with someone on this. I don't think this is the kind of game I could play by myself. I think it would feel a little lonely. But this is absolutely a game if you play with a friend, whether it's split screen or online, you can really, really lose yourself in. And that's a comment I'm seeing from a lot of people and one that I want to echo that are playing this is you... You just lose yourself in it. The time just goes so quickly. And, you know, it's just a lot of fun. It's just some good, solid fun. I, you know, it looks like a like an Xbox 360 game or a PS3 game. It's not the most beautiful game. And like I said, it's a little rough in areas. But kind of like you were saying, Andrea, you, about the PS2 charm and Dangerous Driving, right? It kind of has that charm to it. And it really takes me back. And I feel like there aren't a lot of games out there like this. Um, so I'm really, really having a good time with it. So I, I I could see this game becoming, I can't obviously say game of the year, you can't say that it's too early anyway, but I could easily see it becoming on my personal or coming a part of my personal game of the year list, just because what it does is so different and so fun and so engaging that uh, I'm just having a blast with it, even though it's kind of flawed. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. Good time. Cool. Hey, good times are good times. That's all that really matters is having a good time, like dressing up your burb in Falcon Age. Oh, boy. (laughs) Segway. Segway, sort of. (laughs) Yeah, so both Steimer and I have been playing uh, Falcon Age. Um, Steimer, you're playing it on PS4, correct? Correct. Yeah, I'm I'm playing it without VR. So, and I played it with VR. Okay, good. Because I... um, my thoughts on when I started firing it up and playing it, I was, I think, a little, not confused, but at first I was, and it took me a, a like a hot minute to realize, oh, right, this game was built for VR. 
And it's a weird mm. thing to play a game built for VR not in VR. <laughs> because I, when you're playing it not in VR, you're expecting certain things from a game. For instance, when you walk around the map, I am like, you have to follow very specific routes. Obviously, that is designed for VR because you don't want to accidentally fall off the fucking world, right? Like, makes sense. Um, But when you're just playing with your controller, you're like, God damn it. Why can't I just, like, hop down to this thing or, like, go over there or do whatever? Because you just want it to act like a normal PS4 video game. And it doesn't act like that because it, again, is not built for that. Um, So that has been honestly throwing me off the... The bird's super cute again, like like you kind of mentioned. I think the, I mean, the bird for me is the saving grace of this game and how adorable it is because it's just so fucking cute. It's really and cute. like when it and like so you uh okay let me let me back up if you're like what the fuck is Falcon Age? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is as we've mentioned. It is both a VR game and a non VR game, uh, and. The story is basically you are a girl imprisoned and by like this robotic corporation. There's only a robot in here with you. There's no actual people. And there's a little falcon that's like outside of your window. You feed this falcon. Uh, it's sort of like a like a Groundhog Day thing where like you'll go through a few cycles of like, it's this day. Answer these questions. Go break rocks. Blah, blah, blah. And then one day the mama falcon dies. Rip. Sorry, sort of spoilers, but it's like Bambi. It's fine. Um, and then, <laughs> and then you killed, yeah, yeah. You take Baby Burb and you feed Baby Burb and Baby Burb, and you team up to take on the world. Well, not really the world, but basically this evil corporation. Your prisoner, you're, the people who have imprisoned you. Yeah, yeah. Um, so then you kind of go out into the world, and you're learning how to train your falcon. Immediately, like the baby bird grows up almost immediately, but the game is clever and gives you a hat that you put on the bird that makes it go back to baby bird forever. So I was like, that's really smart. If they hadn't done that, I would be like, what were you doing? Because yeah. it's not that, I mean, the grown up Falcon is badass looking, but the but baby, baby but, everything is cuter. Yeah, but the baby bird is a baby <laughs> bird. And like, so you can either like, if you have your arm out or whatever in your, in the game or in VR, I don't know how, how Andrea can speak to how that works, but um, you can like snuggle it. For a little mm-hmm. bit which is really adorable and it'll like stick you know like the, the internet thing that was going around where dogs would stick their snouts in in hands like if you mm-hmm. just hold held them up like a hole and they would just be like boop it's that but with the bird and the bird just yeah, like you, sticks you her make face the heart in. with your fingers so you put your two hands together to make the heart sign and then the little bird sticks its face through the heart and it's the cutest shit you've ever oh. seen um but you can, f- you can fist bump with it yeah. So like the the relationship building between you and the bird is is well done. Um I think right now I'm struggling a bit with the way the game runs. Like it doesn't run super smoothly for me. It's not terrible by any means, but again, I think I was just expecting it to be a little a little bit smoother. Like bit. like stuttering, that kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um so yeah, it's a little it's a little stuttery. Uh and otherwise like you kind of you can take down different types of enemies. I think they've done an interesting job with variants in that. So the robots you take down a different way. There's certain robots where you can't send your bird in yet because if you 
because at first I was like, oh, it's going to be hella easy. I'm just going to send my burden after everything. But no, because there are like turrets and things you need to deactivate first. or They'll shoot darts at your bird and then it will be sad. And then it will come back to you with all these little things sticking out of it. And you feel terrible inside (laughs) because you accidentally did this to your bird. So like, go get him bird. And then then the bird then the bird got got. Yeah, the uh. bird gets got, and you're like, <laughs> I'm an asshole for sending my poor baby bird in, because it's always a baby. Uh, and and then there's other... So the, the one enemy I'm actually curious to hear you talk about, uh, Andrea, is Sandwolves, because like I screamed a little bit, because it jumped at my face, and I was like, I can't imagine that shit in VR. I would be... I would be horrified if this thing was like, Rawr! and I'd be like, ah! <laughs> like, no, no, I don't want that shit. Get out of here. I- I actually haven't gotten to those yet because what oh. happened to me is I played the first hour of the game um, in VR, which is quite frankly an incredibly long VR session for me. I never usually play VR for that long because it just – I like I've mentioned before, I have a very small face and so I have to strap it very tightly and so the headset gets uncomfortable. The only other time I spent that much time in VR was with Moss because I was just like so enraptured in that game. Um, and so after about uh, 45 to 60 minutes, I was like, okay, I'm going to take a break and move my save file over to the other PS4 and continue playing it flat for a while. And then, you know, when I'm feeling ready, I can go back to VR. But sadly, um, there was no checkpoint or save system at the point of the game that I was at. Did not realize this. Um, Wait, quit- where were you at? If you were in an hour, you should have passed the checkpoint. That's what that's what I thought. Well, I mean, did you go to the you have to go to the water spout and actually manually save? Oh, did not realize that. Uh, yeah. So pro tip to anybody listening. <laughs> um, there are these like random wells around. Those are your save points. So you have to not you have to hit it twice also, just so you know. Like that's it has the lever has to go up. Yeah, yeah. Why hit it twice. Is auto save up. just not always a thing? And then down, hey. and then you'll know it's saved when the water actually comes in and the bird comes and drinks, and then it will say saved. No, that's bullshit. I love Eka and I love the team at Outer Loop. I think they're wonderful people. They put my cats in the game. Props to you if you guys find them. But that's garbage okay we need an autosave i was heartbroken when i went to go upload my cloud save and move it to the other console because we finally you know have a, a dedicated ps4 just for vr um so i'm not having to be behind the tv fiddling with the cables all the time um and then i went to go upload and there was like there's no save data and i was like wait a minute what I just played for like an hour. Um, and then I went, booted the game back up and it started me from the beginning. Oh, and no. I was like, oh, that's the worst. That is the um, worst. Especially because this is not a particularly long game. I'm probably yeah. like three plus hours in. Yeah, I think it's like a five hour game. Total. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so like, there's not uh, much more for me to do at this point. I mean, I have yeah. like another play, uh, at least one more place to take down. Possibly maybe one more after that. Um, but overall, yeah, I think my thoughts on it are, are basically summed up as this was clearly a game built for VR. If you're not going to play it in VR, it's going to feel weird to you yeah. to play it on a flat like place, like mm. TV screen. And, and just be aware of that going into it. If you're like, I don't care and I just want to have some cute bird time. Great. Go for it. Um and they do have a non-combat mode that they added as well. So if yeah. you don't want to do any of the combat, if you just want to hang out with your with your burb. Yeah, if you just want to like go find, go kind of explore the world and find um, 
items like because there's like little hidden shit around that you can go like there's a boarded up i think they're they're just sheds for but my brain went to that they're outhouses for some reason but they're not outhouses they're they're sheds um and you can just kind of like bat bang down the door because so in addition to the bird you have a baton and at first you can just sort of smash and then you get like an electric whip thing which is pretty neat um and now i'm trying to teach this bird how to like drop emps and shit like it gets Uh, it gets there's more complicated stuff added to the bird's abilities as you go on you're trying to take down these folks this corporation whatever who imprisoned you but how do you how do you do that so you go to an area what do you do you go to an area and so you clear out refineries at least so far that's what i've been doing and so i basically scoped the place out that's where they told me about a a new enemy type they're like because there's like a the resistance member is there to tell you kind of what to do. And so they have turrets, which you need to take out first. So you can't have your, I have my bird like on my arm when I go in sometimes because I don't want her flying around. Cause I don't know how, how good the AI is to stay away from the range of those turrets to get, I don't want her to get bopped. Sure. Yeah. So I, I have her on my arm and I go around and I like, wh- you have to like electric whip, the turret and then stick the thing in and hold it yeah and then <laughs> whip it stick it hold it's it good oh, yeah girl i like the sound of that song <laughs> that's literally what you do okay. um and then so once you've like i had the i like took out the turrets first then there are like flying drone things you have to handle and take care of those ones you send your bird after they'll crash to the ground you have to go smash them then there's like these other types of robots where you have to i figure you you use the whip, then you send the bird, the bird holds them in a way, and then you can smash them. So, like, you have to kind of just take out these groups of enemies and be somewhat careful about it. Not, It's not like a mega stealth game. You're not going to have too much of an issue. Um, and uh, it, But if they are alerted, they'll send, like, these mechanical spidery robots after you, which are annoying as fuck. But you can mm. just, again, you can just smash them. Like, just smash everything. Okay. Uh, and you, like... Build, you give your falcon little snacks and you find recipes around the world and I've killed what's the, what have I killed? I've killed rabbits which are the easiest, foxes, goat a goat uh, a because yeah, you can cook you can cook you treats can cook for your bird for them. and then um, something, uh, the sand wolf and then I think one more other animal but so yeah they have like different things that you could, oh chicken and they all they like none of them look exactly like their real world counterparts because it's kind of a strange biome here. Uh, and then you so once once I cleared the refinery out, sorry, I'm sort of jumping all over the place. My brain is not particularly on a linear path today. Once you cleared out that once you clear out those refineries, then the resistance takes them over and you can do different things with them. So I had like a garden plot and you can put in different types of fruits or vegetables in there to grow them so you can harvest them so you can make different treats for your bird they have like stealth treats and toughening treats and just health treats for when they when they do get bopped by those darts because it's inevitable it's uh, so sad it is sad and then you have to like sit there and pull them out like, mm-hmm. I'm sorry friend sorry friend so you go taking out the trash with your bird friend pretty yeah. much yeah yeah and there's like stuff through you kind of have to like pay attention in the world and um, there are things sometimes hidden up on high like packs where you can get 
uh, different loot and stuff like that in them. And you have to go send your bird to bring it back for you. And then with the currency, you can buy fun, shiny toys for your bird. Which are, like, there's really cute costumes in there. But and yeah. I also want to remind people that this is a 1999 game. So, like, you know, we talked earlier about setting expectations. This is not like a full AAA release. Um, it's small, as we mentioned, probably four to five hours of total playtime. But um, it does really look great in VR. Um, I was having a good time with it. And what I there was this one moment where I had the headset on where I just like leaned all the way back <laughs> and just like looked around me and I watched the bird like fly straight up into the sky. And it was, it's I mean, it looks great. It clearly is a game that was built for PSVR, but that they added a flat version so that they could, you know, appeal to more people who wanted to play the game, but that don't own a PSVR headset. So did you say this is a 1995 game or 99? As nine. a $19.99. <laughs> Not like $19.99. I, I, I had this moment where I was like, did this game come out that, and they're just redoing it for PSVR, and I was real confused. That would be for hilarious. I did not mean to be confusing. No, no. no I, it's I mean, it's, a, it's not a full price $60 game. <laughs> <laughs> sorry my bad no no that's, my brain's in a weird spot too it's all good <laughs> yeah and we do have to thank outer loop games for for sending us the codes for that um yes. as well so if you like cute burbs and you want to shoot robots and I smash like things cute with burbs. Burbs. I cannot lie you yeah, can't deny i got you girl when a bird walks in with a fluffy, fluffy waist <laughs> and a round beak in your own face, your face. you let it go fly free and live its best life. Yeah, you let it go fly free and drop a bomb on someone's bitch ass. Let's go. I was like, that almost worked. Um, I was going to talk about um, the Division 2 endgame, but I probably don't need to go over that again. I'm just having a lot of fun with it. I'm like gear score like 496 now. Um, chasing that 500 live, getting ready for the raid. So I'll probably just table more of my uh, the Division 2 talk until the raid comes out, which is very soon, just a couple of weeks away. But been having a fantastic time discovering new secrets and hidden areas and attention to detail and world building. Massive really outdid themselves with this game. I wish against wish that they would just fix the massive amount of bugs, for lack of a better term. Because um, there's still quite a few. It's not interfering with my overall enjoyment of the game because um, they are working on that specialist ammo drop issue that they've been having that I tweeted about. But just little things like textures not popping in, um, the sound audio issues that happened during the beta have been persistent for me. They're not constant, but they happen frequently. Um, some connectivity issues. Um clipping in and out of the world enemies clipping there's just like a lot of open world bugs that you expect to see in an open world game that you know clearly they're working to fix that just haven't been fixed yet but it's been a month now since launch or, or almost have been a month and so i hope that they get to clean up some of these ongoing bugs because the game is fun but there's a lot of bugs um all right so that's gonna do it for our hands-on segment for this week When we come back, we are celebrating episode 100 of What's Good Games. Stick with us and come down memory lane. We'll be right back.
Welcome back, everybody. It's segment three of the What's Good Games podcast, and we are super excited to get to episode 100 of the show. Now, we don't want to go too far down memory lane because we obviously have our two-year anniversary on the horizon, and we will be doing a lot of reminiscing that day. But we thought it pertinent to celebrate episode 100 by talking about some of our favorite moments, some of our favorite um, episodes or things that have happened um, in our last 100 episodes. It's That's a lot of content. That's over 200 hours of content that we've made that's a lot lot. i was just telling the ladies during our break that if you go to our facebook page that's facebook.com slash what's good games you go to our videos and you sort by the oldest videos there it's a freaking trip man i i forgot about a lot of these funny things i was going through remember alexa's mario's dead theory Yes, yes the cappy theory and she hated cappy oh my gosh it's so funny oh just so much funny stuff in those old videos and those old clips. Because what I would do, and I still do this, is I'll clip out little parts of the show, you know, like especially when we're like doing something that we think is kind of funny. And then you watch it back, you know, years later, and you're like, holy crap, I forgot about that. I was just watching a clip when Steimer was talking about if someone pulled up next to me in a really scary van and asked me to play Call of Duty, would I get in the truck with them? Do you remember that, Steimer? Uh, kind what? of, yeah. I don't remember this. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was a throwback. Oh, I said if somebody, yeah, like I would play that game if somebody, like, basically forced me into a van and played it to play it, and then was, you guys were like, "That's really creepy." And I was yeah. like, "Yeah, I guess it yeah. is." That was August eighteenth of twenty seventeen. That was in oh, the so early days. But before we yeah. go down memory lane, we have to give a big shout out and thank you to our fantastic Mythic, mythic, mythic. membership patrons <laughs> um, and above. Um, this is your time for your monthly shout out. Of course, if you want to be part of our fantastic Patreon community and get rewards like secret segments, like an ad-free version of the podcast, like access to our after-hours gameplay stream, our happy hour Q&A, and more, Go to patreon.com slash what's good games and you can support everything that we do here on the show. Help us keep the lights on. Um, help us get to you for more meet and greets um, around the country and around the globe. Um, and we will do our best to keep the content rolling. So why don't we read these fantastic um, mythic patrons and above? Oh, yeah. Um, and we can get started. Um, I remember you guys, were, I think, read this name. Last week, yeah, uh, Leonardo Talavera Baroccio, yeah, uh, Matthew Brit. Simpson. I'll, I'll go next. <laughs> Shit, you said how to say his name, Missiel, Missiel, Missiel Viegas, Andrew Susan, Justin Fushi, Sean I, Kathy Lucas, Kyle and Kelly B, Dylan Blank. Oh, I guess right. I skipped them. You skipped them once. <laughs> so we fixed it for you. Thank you. <laughs> We're on Alberto, Brittany. Oh, I, I didn't. The, no, the audio. Didn't, no, because nobody said this. I said Kia Bright. Oh, you the did? audio cut out. I did. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the audio cut because I didn't hear it. Well, <laughs> Kia just got her name read four times. Alberto Videla. Martha Emery. David Aicolucci. Steph Wu. Jerrica Hanna. Reagan Inson. Bill Stillwell. Dustin Lewis. Tara Bruno. Zach. Hershey Kiss. 
Dion Stevenson, Aaron J. Saxton, Michael Shanholtz, Patrick Higgins, Timothy Bennett, RJ Bryan, Trevor Starkey, Melanthius G. Owens, Hesson de Mach, <laughs> Joe Schliff, <laughs> Maxwell Kramer, Elmo Show, Jared Howard, Tyler McCall, Kyle Peterson, Eliza Mayoral, that's a Molly Bittner, Jazelle Bossa. Nam Bui. <laughs> James Bravo. Jessica Bloom. Teddy Gone. Gregory Horton. E. Irizarry. Andrew Smith. Noel Neverez. Lucas Shaney. Rob Leonard. Mark Dastrup. John Drake. Jacob Safari. Joe Kinnison. Adam Ogodkinison. <laughs> Emily Kent. Trent Pennington. Gabriel D'Andrea. Emily Aquan. Chris Wilson. Ariella Furman. Will Colum. Will Hernandez. Brian R. Johnston. Stephanie Dupont. Kevin Dunkel. Billy Shibley. Stephanie Fitzwilliam. Sam. <laughs> Jesse Sam. Spencer. <laughs> Brandon Schwartz. I, I just hear it in my head like the ham horn. Ham. Um, I my queen. Talking about <laughs> geek heart games. Tommy Larson. Punctified. Ross Haney. Simon Bergstedt. I lost my place in the document. Oh, Justin Foss. Nicole Humphrey. Brooke Larie. Asia Harris. Anthony Murphy. Jake. Jasmine Lee. <laughs> Elizabeth Brooke. Adria Williams. Ryan B. Pure Blue Octopus. Blah, 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 blah. Andrew <laughs> Cotton. Tony. Shay, yeah. it's it's Shay. <laughs> really? I believe so. Yeah, okay, I'm pretty sure. Pete Shea. Shoemaker, Brian Harper, Joe Wilson, Jason Kerr, Sydney, Sydney Carr. Carr. Oh shit! I'm sorry. That's fine. <laughs> you just wanted to say Sydney's name. No. <gasps> okay, I'll say the next. I'm sorry. Gio Corsi, Roland Bala. Oh, sorry. Paige pull. Oh no, Robert Adams. Oh God. Paige Porter. <laughs> the Ghost Dog 420. Whoa. Ah. Patrick Weller. Matthew Godier. Ozzy Mahia. Krister Lindmark. Patrick Landry. E. Benjamin Checkness. Trent Berry. Donato Snatcho III. My mama, Teresa Enert. Ivan Bacharano. Thank you so much to all of our wonderful uh, patrons. Again, you can join our membership program at patreon.com slash what's good games. We hope that you guys are loving our community over there. Now, let's get back to some of our favorite moments from WJJ. Because you said that about... But we, there was somebody's name we read, and then I was like, I'm going to look up this thing, and it's going to be funny, and I'm gonna, it's going to come to me. So Uh-oh. That's while a lot we do, of pressure for it to be I, funny. I know, right? While we do that, while it comes to me, Brittany. Yo. Um, what was one of the things you were worried about what's good games executing back in the early days of us making episodes of the podcast? Because we had a lot of technical problems in the beginning. Oh, yeah. I mean, number my number one worry overall was, overall was just that podcasts weren't popular anymore. And I was obviously very, very wrong. That was like my number one worry about this whole thing. So not only did I think that podcasts weren't very popular, how the hell am I going to sit here with my, what, what was I using at a time, a blue, a blue Yeti? 
or something with my microphone and I had my webcam and I knew how to stream. I didn't know how to do all the technical mumbo jumbo. So yeah, I think for me, the one of the biggest worries is how are we going to vibe on a podcast? Because we had met in person like one time before we started shooting the show. I mean, all like got together to talk about it. It was WGGCon. And we all obviously vibed well, but obviously vibing well in person, you have to know how to chat with each other on a podcast, right? And how's that chemistry going to work out? I didn't know you very well, Andrea. I barely knew Alexa. And Steimer was the only one that I really knew like super well. But uh, obviously that all worked out fine in the end, you know, but it was just, I think that was one of the, the main like, how is this going to work? I hardly know these people. Can I say bad things in front of them? Can I talk about banging things? Can I say the four letter words all the time? Will they hate me? It worked. Yeah, it's crazy to sometimes remember that you and I had really only seen each other at conventions or trade shows really sporadically, for lack of a better word, and that we became, you know, much closer through What's Good Games. And it's been, like, such a fun ride, like, thinking about all the time that we get to spend together. Because even when Steimer still lived in San Francisco, I didn't get to talk to her every single week or see her every week. And so even though I don't see you guys in person, um, being able to still chat with you for a couple of hours every week has really been good for my heart and my soul. And I love our time together. Oh, it's really fun. Oh, so cute. And here yeah, we are, I, episode 100. I think the thing I was calculating was that if you watched all of What's Good Games episodes from the very beginning up until today, you would be watching us for seven consecutive days. <laughs> oh. That's how much content we've made. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> that sounds like a lovely way to spend your time. I mean, it kind of is. <laughs> That's not even like counting streams and things. No, I think Correct. those first episodes would be rough to get through. I was talking to someone about this at our meetup. Um, I don't remember who it was. and I'm sorry about that. But we were chatting about how they had just launched a show and they went back and they were listening to one of their first shows they ever did and how it's, it makes you cringe, right? When you go back to some of the first content you ever put out there, because obviously, you know, you grow throughout the years. I said, do you remember our first show? And they said, yeah, I've been listening since episode one. I said, okay. So you know, man, like those first few episodes, I remember audio, I think, cut out or something wonky was going on. I don't even remember what happened. It wasn't even our first few. It was like a while. Yeah, it was like the first month or so. Because I remember we set up custom EQ profiles in the recording software for each of our different voices. And we set Alexa's gate too high. And so I remember when we recorded it, like the audio came out all wonky because she kept clipping in and out the during the entire recording because we set the gate parameters too aggressively. And so like the microphone kept cutting her off periodically. <laughs> and there was nothing we could do to fix it in post because like there's only so much you can do to fix it. And there was just like a lot of lessons learned about the equipment for us. Um, and obviously now I feel much more comfortable with the audio equipment because back then, um, unnamed producer was helping me, um, do a lot of behind the scenes stuff, helping me edit, helping me do, um, fixes in, in post, both on the video and the editing and the audio side. And now, you know, I've been running the post-production, you know, on my own really since like 
end of summer 2017. It took like two or three months of handholding for me to get to the place where I was comfortable. Um, but it's um, it's certainly been a learning experience for me to really dive deep back into the actual production of digital media, whereas I was more on the content side for a very, very, very long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Making the sausage. What's interesting to me is I'm a weirdo. It's not even interesting. I don't know why I preface it that way. This is terrible. <laughs> I, I regret this immensely. Just go with it. <laughs> um, oh, on episode 103 now at this point, I will have been on 100 shows. So yeah, I have girl. Missed, I have oh, yeah. missed three shows in my time during this 100 shows. That's crazy. Which is weird. That's That's awesome, though. It's yeah. just weird. <laughs> right? It's just it, like, wow, that was a lot of time. <laughs> yeah, it's gone by really fast, but also we haven't missed a single week. So it's weird. Yeah, it's, you think about it for almost two years now, we've put out an episode every Friday. And that just seems so crazy to me, too. I don't know. Well, it was one of the things that we really wanted to commit to when we started What's Good Games. I. You know, I talk about this all the time and I've brought it up on a lot of panels that we've been on and we get people that write into us all the time that ask for podcasting advice and I always point to our podcast 101 panel we did at RTX last year where we really broke down how we started What's Good Games from a podcasting perspective and the best advice I ever got of course was from Jeff Gertzman over at Giant Bomb, the most prolific and arguably the most successful video game podcast out there and he said like the one piece of advice i'll give you is never ever 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 miss a week and we really took that to heart because he wouldn't say that if it wasn't important and so we haven't we haven't missed a week there's certainly been challenges along the way (laughs) to us getting episodes up certain weeks of the year particularly around holidays or big shows like e3 for example but we've done it, and I'm really excited and happy we have. And I think that we've built a, built a really fantastic community around that consistency because we certainly did not remain consistent in our streaming. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> no, and that's part of you know starting something up like this. You you can have all the biggest and best ideas in the world, right? But when it actually comes time to execute, who knew how much time post production would take and who knew how long it would take to do all the social media or do whatever the videos all the things we were doing and we found that we just didn't have a lot of gas in the tank you know and well like remember when we used to record on thursday oh yeah and then finally at one wgg con i was like andrea how about we start shooting on wednesday so you're not dying every thursday that's that yeah. brutal I mean, I like the idea of getting more of the news in for the week on th- by including Thursday, but that turnaround with editing meant very late nights for me and Brittany prepping all of the posts for upload um, and late nights of us like messaging Steimer about thumbnails and getting metadata and all of that. Like it was like the best decision ever to move to our, our regular recording night. On, on Wednesdays because otherwise like dude being up until 2 or 3 a.m. and then having to get up at like 6 a.m. to make sure everything publishes was rough chuckles to say yeah. the least. don't do that yep yeah don't see yeah don't do that to yourself if you are thinking of starting a podcast <laughs> just don't even try it give yourself yeah. some runway yeah and for us it was really had to do with a lot with the length of the show um because if we only did like a 45 or 60 minute show it wouldn't have been as brutal of a post-production turnaround time but rendering and exporting the video 
in particular is really what takes the most amount of time. And I still remember the day that we launched the Patreon um, and that was our first stretch goal. And none of us thought we were going to hit it. We thought we had time. We thought maybe we would get there over a couple of weeks and once the word got out, but bam, like within hours, we hit that first goal of adding video to the podcast. And I was like, no, I'm not ready for this. Yeah, we were like, oh, shit, we thought we were going to be able to figure out how to do that later. Oh, man. But instead it was like, nope, figure it out now. How did we even try to do it? It was a mix of a whole bunch of different shit, wasn't it? Google Hangouts. We tried Google Hangouts muted so that you and I could see each other. Mm -hmm. And then we were in Skype. For, I don't remember exactly. We were in Facebook what, Messenger for a long time. Yeah, um, no, but before the actual, that, we tried like some weird hack job thing with like two things open. One of them muted. I don't remember why we muted one of them. I think it was because we didn't have enough audio and camera input sources. Because in order for us to um, send the audio and video feed so that we can hear and see each other while we record and not just on the recording. We have to have multiple inputs and outputs. I think that might have been before we got the icicle. Um, mm. And then I got an additional webcam. And then I got a, a webcam that wasn't another Brio because Logitech very graciously gifted us a bunch of these amazing 4K webcams that they sell when we launch the podcast. Uh, but what we realize is that the software on my computer gets confused when I have two of them plugged into the computer at the same time because they read the same as like the same camera. Um, and so we had to send a different camera to the chat messenger so that you guys can actually see me while we're talking. And then I have to send a different one to OBS that we record for the YouTube video. It's it's complicated. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But now we have technology it down to a system. And we still have technical issues almost every week. Well, it's because we use shit that is third party software like Skype or Messenger or whatever feels like working that week. And yep. I think the annoying part is shit like, oh, Andrea, you said something? Well, you clipped out at that one moment, so we had no idea that you said anything. Mm-hmm. And we're sitting here waiting, and you're waiting for us, and we're waiting for you, and it's like, and well, we that's gonna be a, a little bit of dead air on the podcast, but you know what? It's okay. We're doing the best we can. <laughs> yeah. So thank you guys for your patience through those technical <laughs> challenges in the early days. Um, we like to believe that we're pretty consistent now with the way that the show looks and sounds. Of course, if there's ever issues, uh, feel free to reach out to us at contact at whatsgoodgames.com. But um, we've done some really fantastic episodes. Um, we've had a lot of amazing guests over the years and still more to come, of course. We know our last guest, uh, Miss Marissa Roberto, have known her for a long time. It was really great to get her on the show. Our first guest ever, Miss Mary Kish. Um, oh, hopefully yeah. we'll get her back on the show someday. And now that she's in a new role over at Twitch and she has moved to Portland. Um, but we got to see her at PAX East, which was super fun and spend some time with her. Um, on the Adult Swim yacht party, which was Hell crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, I had a good time um, seeing her, but you know we've had Joey Noel from Kind of Funny on the show. Naomi um, Kyle's been here. Alana Pierce has come by more than once. It's been great. Um, Ashley Esqueda has been on the show. I mean, we've had like a ton of great Kim um, Wallace. Kim is fantastic. I remember the first time Kim was on, and she had those terrible mic problems because oh, yeah. she forgot her windscreen. <laughs> I remember that too. Oh gosh. Yeah, and someone's audio or video kept cutting out. I'm telling you, man. I'm happy the content we put out looks all smooth and buttery for the most part, but if you could see how that sausage is made. Oh. 
It's fine. It's part of what we do. Yeah. yeah there was one time when you were in Italy, Andrea, and I was doing the video editing and something had happened with Alexa's microphone. I don't know if it was the clipping issue you were talking about, but I had to and like it would desync the audio constantly during the video. Oh, it I forgot ha- about this. And I had to sit up and like clip out parts and then like remove it over so that the audio wasn't going off every now and then. And like I just had to sit there and like delete chunks of audio so that it would actually be in sync with the video. It made no sense to me. I still don't understand it. Um, but I got it to work and it worked. And like, I don't think if you watch the video, you would ever know, but that was because I sat there and took a bunch of hours editing all of that shit and making sure like scrubbing through that nobody was desyncing at any point. I remember real weird because I think I also was getting ready to take off. And before I knew you were also working on it, I also put about an hour and a half into it as well. And then we finally like started talking about it. And then you're like, yeah, I've been doing this. I'm almost done. And I was like, okay, well, I'll stop doing it now. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Good old days, man. It was weird. That was a weird thing. Yeah. Um, Do you want to talk about some of the community responses we've got? Because um, Brittany tweeted from our What's Good underscore games Twitter account, which if you haven't taken the moment to hit that follow button, we would greatly appreciate it. If you're on Twitter at all, all you have to do is type in what's good games into that search bar will pop right up and just hit the follow button. Even if you never interact with us, that would really help us out a lot. Um, And so a lot of you did write in and let us know what some of your favorite moments are. And also, ironically, not ironically, that was the wrong use of that word. um, I asked people during the raffle where I gave away my Vita at the PAX East meetup, um, in order to enter the raffle, you had to tell me what your favorite what's good games moment was. And a lot of you had some really fun responses. And then there was a couple people that were like who's what's good games and i was like get out of our party (laughs) (laughs) you're not getting this vita yeah so this first response comes from alan martinez and he says episode 25 at the one hour and 57 mark when steimer talks about vr not being for her and doesn't want to ruin her beautiful skin she said quote you know what it's hard to get your skin this nice i don't want to ruin it with a 20 minute experience that's not even that good that's what she said (laughs) and also i was like when he i saw this tweet and i was like oh my god i'm such an asshole like that's (laughs) like what a weirdly thing to say I'm oh, sure I perfect. said it sarcastically, but anyways. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe not. I mean, sort of not. I don't know. <laughs> just, just weird. And then we have one from Deborah and one from Delilah who says the same moment. Delilah says, hands down the episode with Steimer, Britt, and Alana when they went into the deepest dive on a relevant tangent about what Dragon Ball characters they would fuck. <laughs> Deborah also said, same thing. She said, I nearly drove into oncoming traffic because I laughed so hard. Well, Life. don't do that. That's dangerous. Happy you didn't. Nicholas Duda, I particularly love it when you talk singing. So, oh, yeah, okay. Steimer songs? So, I have so many clips shit. that are labeled Steimer songs. Oh, my gosh. That's so Like, funny. a lot of them. <laughs> we have one from Male. Male Bittner. When I got my new nickname, and it stuck, and you all love saying it over and over, plus the postcards, <laughs> the meetups, the streams, and laughing during the weekly podcast. Pure joy, all of it. Male. 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 Got one from my dear friend and Andrea's dear friend, Ignacio Rojas. Oh, yes, Ignacio. <laughs> Favorite moment. Britt, mad at me after I said Pokemon Snap wasn't a good game, saying how by pissing off one of them, I pissed off all three after Steimer said that we were Gucci. 
<laughs> yeah, I was like, I don't have a dog in this race. It's fine. <laughs> Whatever. You seem fine. We have one from Dan. It just says drunk episode. And I started thinking about this. Have we? We've never done an actual episode drunk. Or we've gotten tipsy toward the end, but we've never we've done started. streams, but not episodes. Right? Yeah, we save the drunken shenanigans for 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 Patreon, um, yeah. because you know we need to keep that behind a paywall for reasons not like we're trying to gatekeep, but because we're trying to keep our reputation semi pristine <laughs> on the public internet. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> That's really more, it's more for us to save face than it is for us trying to be like greedy and paywall you. Exactly. It's really like we, we just want to make sure that, you know, if we're having a good time and things get a little loose and maybe, you know, we start talking about like Trunk's butt or something that it doesn't get taken out of context and like picked up as a quote. And the only way to do that is to do it for Patreon. Um, But we've had plenty of moments, uh, most notably the kind of funny crossover we did for XO18 where the our friends over at Kind of Funny um, brought lots of cocktails and drinks. I mean, we also brought some too. um, To the watch along and then Greg... like swindled us into doing a gamescast episode after the watch along when we did not oh realize that he wanted to record something else afterwards and then we we're like we're all oh, way yeah. too drunk we were, we're way too drunk for this <laughs> yeah i was like i don't even know and also here was the good part was there were way too many of us so i was like oh this is fine i'll just like sit here quietly and be drunk <laughs> <laughs> like i'll just like one liner every now and then so people yeah. remember that i'm here but I'm just- <laughs> i mean you excel at that you're really good yeah. at the one-liners we have one from tyler mccall who says my favorite serious moment was andrea renee started reading the speech she would have given if she had won the trending gamer a year ago those words that she wrote and the discussion that followed really impacted me Oh, thank you, Tyler. That's really sweet of you. And um, a big thank you again to Tyler and Craig for um, organizing the D&D session we had at PAX East. We had a ton of fun, but um, that's very kind of you. It was a, such a bittersweet moment. Obviously, like, you know, I wish I would have won. <laughs> but <laughs> but I, mean. I for me, like, I thought it was an appropriate time to remind people that, you know, what what's good games represents is inclusion and reminding us that what brings us together um, is our communal love of video games and the culture around it. And that while there's a lot of negativity that gets out there about video games and gaming culture and being a gamer, that's actually not what gaming is all about. And I think being at a show like PAX East reminds us that that's what being a gamer and being part of video games is all about is, you know, tens of thousands of people all appreciating and loving gaming and coming together and appreciating and loving each other and being accepting and welcoming to each other. And um, that was just what I was trying to express. So thank you. I appreciate that, Tyler. I need to clip that and mail it off, email it off to everybody in the world. I don't know. It was really good. It was really good speech. (laughs) Just like a chain letter? Yeah. Let's bring chain letters back. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If you don't forward <laughs> no. this to 10 people within an hour, right. your crush will disown you. Yeah. yeah. Your crush will never speak to you again. Oh, let's do it. We have one from Brandon Gann, who we've had a history mispronouncing this gentleman's name, and we finally got to meet him in person at PAX East. And he said, mispronouncing a particular name. Sincere- sincerely, Bartholomew Bart Ganondorf, because that was the new name I gave him. Ah, uh, yes. Ganondorf. Mm-hmm. It's me. It's a superior name. I think. Yeah, I thought so too. 
Yeah, change your name. What are you doing with your life? David Jack 19. Every grunt and noise and pseudo 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 fed. Yeah. <laughs> pseudo 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 fed. Put yeah, it in my tum tum. Chelsea says, I love the Bat Dad adventures. That was a stream. Oh, yeah. But, and then a lot of the rest of them. Oh, this is a sweet one from Rihanna. She says, congratulations. My favorite moments, hands down, have been the PAX meetups. The community is filled with incredible people. Darren Clark says, I love the wine tasting. And then... Jason says, whenever Britt does her Kermit voice, <laughs> yeah. I'll keep doing it for at least one of you. And then all the other ones, Steel Bando, man. That Steel Bando moment. Oh, my God. whisper. Yep. So, I mean, it's, it's an oldie but a goodie. Oh, that was such. I think about that episode very fondly because that was right around um, a holiday, 2017, I think. Because Andrea mm-hmm. and I, you and I just got back from playing Far Cry 5. I think that is what right. it was. And we were talking about, remember there was the testicle festival and we were talking about that during that podcast time where I think you were, you were, we were calling you in from LA. I think yeah. it was this Alexa, um, Andrew and I in the studio and yeah, we were all just like drinking. It was just a really good fun time. And then yeah, careless whisper, the seal bando stuff started happening. You started reading your book. Oh my God. Yeah. Cause what had happened is we, we talked about, um, an earlier episode, we had talked about uh, like crushes, like character crushes. I think maybe it was a secret segment or something. And I was struggling to come oh, up yeah. with something. Yeah. Uh, and then I remembered that I had this like big crush when I was like a middle schooler on this character from this book series, The Powers That Be, from Elizabeth Ann Scarborough and Anne McCaffrey. And you guys just like teased me relentlessly about it. And Alexa was the worst about it. Um, and it was funny because she, I think she was having trouble understanding. She was like, wait, so is he a seal? Is he a man? Is he like half seal? Like, how does it work? And so I had said, why don't I bring the book on one of the episodes and I'll read a passage of it. And so I was reading, I had brought the book and I picked out a passage to read. And then that's when Alexa started playing Careless Whisper and then Brittany brings in the seal noise on her phone. And it took me a second to process it. And I just couldn't, I just died. I just like, I don't know what took over me. I just like started (laughs) laughing. So this was hard for me to like, because I was the only one on, on. Right. calling in yeah on the internet. <laughs> so I, I didn't even hear the seal sounds so i was just laughing at careless whisper and then a ve- like I, it was way late when i realized oh there's also seal noises happening here <laughs> so i felt yeah. i was a little bit behind on that one so the video is called husbandos our first our current our weirdest so it's a public video now and if you go to the nine minute and 34 second mark you can find Andrea start talking about her seal. And I only know this because I can scroll through the video and I just see a big picture of a seal pop up. So I know that's when you're talking about your boo. That's a, that's a good, good indicator. I think yeah, his name is Sean, Dr. Sean, Sean Kelly. Oh my God. I remember, I remember Alexa being like, what the fuck is that name even? It's, a, it's a weird name. Oh my gosh. Oh. So she, I was looking through some of these old videos and we had some really good times with her. I was just thinking about her hippo. Remember her and I and the hippos and we were like running in plays and the Assassin's Creed hippos chasing her story, her Mario and Cappy and how she thinks Mario is dead. Yeah. Just like, yeah, there is some really, she's hilarious. 
for yeah, funny moments. Yeah, we, we, miss, we miss Alexa Ray. And I know a lot of you have asked about getting her on a guest episode, and we're working on it. Um, hopefully sometime in the future, um, we're um, going to be able to get her back on, on the show and get her um, get her to give some some hot takes on back on What's Good Games at some point. Um, but um, Steimer, as the resident longest-running host of What's Good Games, oh God. is there a particular moment or episode that you were like, that episode rocked, it was super fun, or like, that episode was wild. Can you believe that crazy news we had to talk about? For the most part, I will say, I black out when I record these shows. <laughs> And not like I, not like I'm drinking. I don't. I'm drinking water. Uh, but it's just one of those things where I say something, I forget about it, and I move on with my life. Like I didn't remember. Like people have been quote tweeting me today or tweeting quotes at me today, and I'm just like, did I say that? Oh, yeah. When did I say that? Like I just, I black I, out. I mean, a little bit. It's weird. Like there's some things obviously that make an impression, but for like I would say like. At least ninety eight percent of the shows, I you if you were like, I'll pay you a million dollars if you tell me what you said, it'd be like, I'm out a million dollars. I don't know. I don't know. What to <laughs> no, tell it's you. it's true because I've clipped things out and posted it, and then Stammer will tweet back to the What's Good Games account, and she's like, Wait, I said that. Yeah, <laughs> that's she's done that a few times. I have the memory of a gnat. It's not good. Well, good thing Brittany is very good at clipping stuff. We have yes. lots of actual evidence of what you've said. Um. I remember when we first started recording with you, you were in um, the bedroom and the light would change as we would rec- record because <laughs> you would have natural sunlight come in. I had and two then, like So the first ones we did, I was in my Venice apartment and then I switched over to my aunt's house and that was the bedroom where we didn't have blinds on any of the windows. So like there was nothing we I could do. It was just like the sun's going down now. <laughs> Goodbye. Yeah, I remember that. And I, sometimes when I look at old episodes, I'm like, oh, yeah, Steimer used to record on this little weird tiny desk and her camera would always fall off. And yeah, I life, you had life actually, struggles, man. You had to hold your microphone, I think, for the entirety of one episode, too. There was, yeah, because something broke. I don't remember exactly what it was. And then there was a lot of times where I would have the microphone on a stack of books in my lap um, because it just, I had nothing. I had, I was scraping by people <laughs> this is what i had to do i was like sure about a bunch of books that's my that's what my mic stand is i think one of my now favorite i have epi- a big fancy one you can see it in Let's the see? frame look how far we've come i think I one know. of my favorite episodes to record and this is actually something we get to do pretty soon are the magic eight ball e3 episodes oh my god right yeah those are so fun because we just throw out these outlandish well chrissy teagan you know, unveil Animal Crossing or something like that. That magic. still could be a thing. We could ask the eight ball, ball again this year. <laughs> right. I know. We have to get another magic eight ball because you probably threw the other one away. No. Oh, hell Smart. no, girl. I got that eight oh, you ball. you have it? Heck ah, yes, sweet. I do. Of course, it's a magic eight ball. It's not a thing you throw away. She threw yeah. away my pumpkin, Steimer. Yeah. Listen, and your pumpkin I gave was you garbage. plenty of warning. I gave you several months to rescue that pumpkin. I know, but and see, you never then, took then, it I, then I didn't think it was going to happen because you're like, I'm going to do it. And you never did. I'm like, ah, she's bluffing. You, we could have at least had a funeral for it, but that's fine. I'm, we I'm still can if you want to hold a, a pumpkin memorial service. Maybe I do. Okay. You, you think on what you'd like to say as the pumpkin's eulogy and we'll do it on the next stream. You think what you'd like to eat in that pumpkin's honor because I'm all about food. I was just thinking we could have some of that pumpkin pie liqueur. And just drink that. Oh, that, that sounds delicious. Mm. Also, don't forget on uh, the next time you guys are in town for the anniversary stream, 
tequila rose was happening. Oh, yeah. We didn't drink it at, at PAX East. So when Marissa was on the show, Steimer, she brought her own little mini bottle of tequila rose to her studio because she's like, you guys drink on your show, right? You're, we're, we're drinking? <laughs> and we're like, Avi. <laughs> nice. And yeah. so we explained to her what tequila rose was. Have you had tequila rose, Steimer? No, I don't know. <gasps> I did the confused dog head tilt at you. You did, so yeah. you will you will also love the tequila rose. So it's delicious. I'm sure I will. It has the word tequila in it. Yep. Tequila mm-hmm. and I are friends. Now, was the was the Fortnite poncho that you wore, Andrea? Was that part of something else? That wasn't a podcast, right? That was before. Yeah, it wasn't part of the podcast, and that was before the was Battle Royale un- version. But you were existed. unboxing the back. It was an unboxing video. Yeah. So yeah. when Darren Sugg, the creative director of Fortnite, um, came to our studio, I believe it was in August of 2017, when they launched Save the World into early access. Uh, They came to our studio here and we did like an hour long stream with Darren where he showed us the game. We played around and um, as a gift, they left us this Fortnite backpack, which I still have. Um, And inside of it, there was a bunch of like survival gear. And so I did an unboxing video, which you can still see it on the website on YouTube.com slash what's good games, where I take all these things out and I still have the the MREs. Uh, the meals ready to eat. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, why would you want to eat those unless you're going camping? Well, we, I thought it might be fun to like try them just to taste them, but I kept everything. And so as oh. part of the kit inside this like survival kit, because it's, you know, it's like the apocalypse and save the world or whatever, all the husks have invaded with the storm or whatever. And um, there was this poncho and I took it out and it was like this little tiny square when I took it out of the bag, the backpack, and I was like, what is this? And then I like proceeded to like unfold it and unfold it and unfold it. And then it became, and I was like, oh, there's armholes. And then I like struggled to put it on. It was, it, I'm it's laughing. that shit for Disneyland so that you can go on Splash Mountain. <laughs> I'm watching it right now. It's called Fortnite Tactical Backpack Unboxing. And there's a 16 second clip of Andrea putting on this poncho. And it's just the best <laughs> thing in the entire world. Because <laughs> she, because you. <laughs> <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, it's dumb. Oh, Remember, they good. also put a Walkman in there with like oh, a yeah. actual cassette tape, mm-hmm. and then there was like some kind of secret message. I don't. I never knew what actually ended up happening with that. I should follow up with them and be like, "What's this all about?" Because they're, they're all probably about like, ha, in that game. Ha, ha, "What are you talking about? Go look at the battle <laughs> royale stuff." Bye. Right. So We've, good. Yeah. yeah. But Man. I still miss that bear. That bear was good. Oh, shit. I remember. I am a bear. Uh, you are not a bear. Yeah, no, it's, I was. I was. I was. Ba- I was a bear. I was once a bear. I don't remember exactly the wording, but I remember because I tried clipping that out, but the audio clipped out right at that moment, so I couldn't use it as a clip. But I uh, thought it was really, really funny too. You are not a bear, and then it fires guns at you, and you're like, yeah. "Oh shit! You're right. I'm not a bear." I haven't logged into Save the World in a long time. I know that they've made a lot of substantial improvements over the last like six to twelve months. Um. There's just so many games to play. It's hard to it's hard to hard keep to, up, but yeah. I really did like what they were doing with that game. Mm-hmm. See, we believed in Fortnite before Fortnite became a global like phenomenon. Yeah. Look at us. Yeah. Look at us trendsetters. <laughs> totally. The stuff that's cool before it's cool. Um, well, we could literally go on and on and on, and we will definitely be talking about more of our favorite memories um, during our anniversary stream, which, again, is Saturday, May 11th. Mark your calendars. We'll be doing a multi-hour event and hopefully having some fun guests pop by for the stream. It's going to be a great day. 
Um, but this has been fun. And again, I, like Britt said, if you want a little trip down memory lane, if you head to facebook.com slash what's good games and search through our videos, we have some ex- Facebook exclusives that you won't find on any other platform because we did a lot of exclusive videos for Facebook when we first launched. Um, and some, some deep cuts, some good ones. Oh boy. Um, so if you guys are interested, <laughs> head on over and, and check those out and hit the like button because why not? Help support what we do here. Um, but we love you guys and we love making content for you and, um, um, we will pop a bottle when I see you ladies next month and raise a glass to a hundred more episodes um, Hell yeah. and, and beyond. So thank you everybody for uh, stopping by this week and for tuning in. Thank you again to um, Quip and Robin Hood for sponsoring this episode. Again, if you want to be part of our fantastic membership program, patreon.com slash what's good games. And we will be back next week. Brittany will be on vacation, but Steimer and I are going to be holding it down. It's going to be fun. All right, everybody, have a fantastic weekend. 